This is the Danger Close Podcast. Beyond the books with me, Jack Carr. Welcome to the Danger Close Podcast, an Ironclad original presented by Navy Federal Credit Union. The title drop video for my upcoming novel, Only the Dead, is out now. You can find that on my YouTube channel and on my social channels, and it is available for pre-order right now. My guest today is my dear friend and SEAL teammate, Eric Frohart. We met back in 2000, did a platoon together, we're together on 9-11, did shipboarding operations together, and he has had quite the career, quite the time in uniform. An amazing guy, dear friend. He is now the COO of a performance beverage company called Defy. So now, without further ado, Eric Frohart. Is he there? What's up, buddy? Hello. No way. So great to see you. Likewise. How you doing, bro? I am doing great. I am doing great. Oh man, dude, I gotta tell you. So this is what the like the main reason that I love doing the podcast is that it's an excuse to get to talk to you. Um, get to yeah. put the phone away. No emails coming in. No one can bother. Uh, I have a little on air sign that I can click. I don't know if it's, it's, uh, hooked up quite yeah. yet. So that tells, uh, the kids it might turn into a magnet though. I'm worried if I turn that thing on, like it might just be a mm-hmm. magnet kind of like closing the, the office door at home. But oh, totally. uh, that's what I love, man. We get to just hang out for a little bit. Yeah, man. No, I'm excited. Dude. Uh, I love the new studio. It looks great. Thank you. Thank you. It's yeah, the- like a legit podcast room there <laughs> it's pretty sick it's pretty sick if you guys pass through uh this winter skin or, or whatever else um have to come up and and check it out it's kind of like the podcast studio and then also it's turning into the kind of the hangout area because i built a little um area just outside right here where there's a fire pit and uh, like a birch barrel and traeger and i'm gonna put a couple other things oh, wow. out there so it'll be a cool place just to hang out and also the uh, the 3d archery course is going in right now. Wow. Is yeah. that at your house or is yeah. this? Whoa. Yeah. So it's a uh, 3D archery course. They're putting in like full on, like right now they're out there and uh, it's going to take a little, little while. Like we've walked it all and plotted where each one's going to go and all the different distances and all the different places that you can shoot from to see it. And like, <laughs> there's be a full on moose out there, elk, mule deer, like I think 20 or so different targets. So that's going to be Jeez. cool. So let's wow. come out and shoot it. You have to come out and shoot it and we'll hang out out here and grill oh something gosh. up. It sounds amazing. Yeah, I don't <laughs> that don't quite have that set up here yet, but Not that yet. sounds really awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. feel pretty fortunate, that's for sure. Oh yeah, man, no, good man. Well, yeah. cheers to that, man. Congrats, oh. congrats on all the success. That's well, awesome. Thank you, thank you. No, it's uh, it's all day, every day, full on sprint. But I uh, I love it. And there's the defy right there. Nice, I like it. We got to talk hey, all about you, that. Yeah, I'll send you some samples. Just cool. let me know the best address. Um, I will. I mean, I'm not going to send bottled water. That's probably in the store out there, but I'll send some of the sports drinks and other stuff. Awesome. But we think we have to fire around here. Huh? You think we have to fire out here in the, in the, I don't know, grocery store so, yeah, or like we're mini mart. In, we're in all 2200 Safeway Albertsons. Dang. So I don't, I don't know if y'all have Safeway or Albertsons out we have there. Smith's. Okay, that might be a banner of theirs. Yeah, it could uh, be. I'll look it up. I'll look it up, but nice. I'll, I'll get you some. I'll send you some stuff if you just give me the, you know, I like the muscle will. bomb. Muscle bomb works good. We have some Damn. CBD gummies that help, you know, help at night fall okay. asleep. All right. Zero percent THC. So. I will check it out. I'll check it out because I also have to get working out. Uh, 
I'm running out of excuses. Um, I mean, the work stuff, you got to prioritize writing books and doing all those things and writing yeah. scripts and doing all that stuff. But uh, now the gym is actually here. I don't have to go anywhere. It's fairly recent. Yeah. Um, and it's right out there. Kettlebells are out there. I want to talk to you about that, about uh, strong yeah. first and all that stuff. Um, but it's all out there. It's just waiting on me. So yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. For sure. Like that's, that's the biggest thing. Like take away the excuses. Um, oh, there's not and the kettlebell, like the kettlebell and the pull-up bar, whatever, just having mm -hmm. it in your house. It's kind of, uh, you know, the one thing kettlebell doesn't travel that well if you're bopping around, but I've, I've kind of started like this, uh, like where I do like during the day, right? Like I do a morning walk either two or three miles. Okay. Like, and that's not really a workout. That's just like health. Right? Okay. Uh, I do some back rehab stuff just as part of that. And then during the day, like when I'm sitting here working like every day, well, six days a week, four or five times I'll get up and I'll do a single set of push-ups a single set of uh, squats and a single set of pull-ups. And so sometimes it might be 10 push-ups, 15 squats and like five pull-ups. Yeah. But I'll do that I'll do that four or five times a day, five or six days a week. Yeah. And then by the way, if I don't do anything else that day, I walk 3 miles and I've done you know multiple push-ups, squats and pull-ups and then as a bonus at night like you know, maybe two nights a week, I'll swing a kettlebell or two nights a week, I'll go do Muay Thai or, yeah. you know, one day a week, I might go on a run or a ruck or something. So, but, and if I don't get that done, I don't feel horrible, but I yeah. got the walk, I got the walk in, I got some core, some back rehab. And then obviously the, you know, and the best thing about break, like, instead of just doing like a bunch of body weight exercise in the morning at one time, which works if you have a busy day, but if you're working from home, yeah. The getting up out of your desk every half hour and going to do that and like stretching your hip flexors out. Like it, it's much, I like it's worked for me so far. Yeah. Yeah. I started to notice that if I'm sitting for too long, I get up. If I'm driving for too long, I get up and it's my leg. I think it's my right one or whatever. I just get out and it's just like, yeah. Okay. Like I limp for a couple steps, you know, and then it's fine. But, um, yeah, but yeah, it, totally. it's tough because I'll sit for when I'm writing, I'll just go all in. Cause I know I have to maximize every single second with that, where there's no interruptions. Uh, and I just go six, seven, eight hours without moving from the chair. Like, boom, just, yeah. just, 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 just go, go, go. And if I'm taking a break, I'm still, I'm not taking a break. I'm still thinking about the story. I'm still aggressively solving problems on the page, but I'm still in that same chair. Cause for whatever wow. reason, like the movement out of it, like, uh, it breaks yeah. me out of that, um, that, I guess that exactly. Yeah. It's just a weird, it's just a weird thing. So I gotta, I gotta figure it out. I'm more still, still working on it, still working on the schedule, but right now priority, other things have taken priority over the last few years. Uh, but you're always getting after it, man. I see you on your Instagram and I always know, even if I don't see you posting anything, I know you're working out. I know you're training. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> At least, well, one, once a day minimum, usually twice. <laughs> oh, have the interruptions minimized addiction. for you? Like remember when you guys were in, uh, in Colorado and the kids were uh, a little younger, the interruptions that you would have trying to work from home, have those minimized uh, now a few years down it's, the line or is it still something that you, know, uh, you contend it, with? You know, it's so funny. Um, how, how that kind of worked out. So when I left, you know, I was working, working at blue core, right. And that was uh brick and mortar gun store and gun range. Yeah. So you can't really do that remotely. You go in, you do your job, yeah. you know, whether you're 
teaching a class or selling or managing a team or whatever. You kind of have to be on site to do that. Yeah. Kinda, right. Uh, now you can, you know, from your uh, offsite office or from home, you can like review financials and, and stuff like that. But the neat thing was that when I, uh, when I left that and I went to strong first, which would have been 2014. Okay. So I was CEO of strong first from, basically summer of 2014 till summer of 2017. And that entire time we had, we had a headquarters team of about, you know, eight or 10 people. And that was everywhere from Atlanta to Venice beach. Yeah. Right. And then we had senior instructors in like 30 some countries. That's so crazy. it was, it was inherently geographically distributed and, and no headquarters per se. So I, back then there was no zoom, uh, certainly no teams, but there was a thing called go to meeting. Uh And I had literally, you know, I don't want to use the word perfected, but I had mastered working from home remotely and building like a, a full like meeting rhythm where I would talk to, everyone in headquarters, you know, whatever that rhythm would be. And then the senior team in Europe or Asia or Australia or whatever. And I had it all kind of figured out like how I had built this, I would always say battle rhythm, but you know, they didn't quite get that. But I had this like, you know, kind of like when I, like when I was at dev group and you had to do your VTCs at your little outposts or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I had this kind of, I had that dialed in and the kids were, as you said, much younger back then, and you're constantly getting uh, <laughs> interrupted. But now they're, you know, they're used to, uh, uh, you know, between that and what I'm doing now, I had a, a stint at the NRA and uh, they're older. So, you know, they're whatever, basically 11, 13, 15, and 17, yes. generally speaking. And they know like, you know, they, they know when they come home, like they kind of be quiet a little bit. Oh, that's you know, they, nice. Very walk, considerate children. You've really, Oh my they'll goodness. Walk, they'll walk by me and like Luke, he'll walk by. If I have my head set in, he, he'll just go like, you want to <laughs> like he's like, right? that's pretty good. So, yeah. No, they've gotten, I've, I've definitely uh, sensitized them to it. <laughs> nice. I remember your stand up desk and you build your stand up oh, desk. Yeah. yeah. At strong first. Yeah, I'm like, look, there he is, standing up in a desky build, of course. Yeah, you know? I have one in the, I have one in the basement, but I thought like the, obviously, I thought the cool office. Oh, the nice! I like the books. Setting. I like that. Better, yeah, better setting for this, uh, for this one. Nice, <laughs> I like it. I like it. And uh, yeah, I've, I've seen some of those books before in your other, in the other house. I, I recognize a few of those titles up there. Um, but man, awesome. People are probably like, how do these guys know each other? Um, <laughs> SEAL yeah, teams yeah. back in the day, SEAL team five, your sec, your first platoon, my second platoon, but, yeah. uh, leading up to that to give people a little, a little background. Um, when, when did you find out about the SEAL teams? And then when did you decide you wanted to go that route? Oh gosh, it's, you know, I didn't really, you know, I've heard you talk about it on, on, on your podcast and others before, but you know, you used to not be able to find that information too, yeah. too readily. Right. I remember, I remember getting like some like U S news and world report nice. magazine article yeah. and it showed photos. And then I had, you know, some little like magazine articles or books or I don't know. I mean, actually it's, it's so funny to say this, but I, 
I can honestly say, I think the first time it, it like entered the map or blipped on the radar was the Charlie Sheen movie. Yeah. But how old were you? Like, like, were you like 11? How old were you? I forget. Was that in 1990? 90. Yeah. So I would have been 12. Yep. Dang, bro. Yeah. So I was young. We watched, I remember getting that and then I was like, oh, this seems interesting. And then, then I remember an article came out in like news and world reporter, one of those. And they're like, talked about how like statistically hardest training and da, 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 da. So my brother and I, you know, young, young farm kids or whatever, we had like, we would build these like obstacle courses with like, you know, tree forts and hay bales and such, and just do some seal training. So it was on my, it was on my radar real young. And then as I entered high school, like I really didn't, I no longer really wanted to even consider the military. Like at that point, like Mm -hmm. football was my passion and I was, I was certain like I was going to be a division one football player. Oh, yeah. At some point I like had made all state in football and I was decent, but you were big too. I was, I've seen the pictures bigger. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I did the thing, the thing I just realized when I did try playing college football, I was neither big enough or fast enough. Like mm. I was plenty strong, but in football, like strength, if you can't move it around quick enough and you're not big enough, it yeah. doesn't, it doesn't matter. So I was in, you know, I was in college for a year, kind of, you know, I don't want to say depressed, but I was disheartened mm. by my, mm. by my, you know, my, the tra- trajectory on the football field. Ah. And, uh, we were watching some movie or talking about it and, um, we're sitting there in a dorm room and it was like, again, this freshman year of college. And I just kind of was fed up and I stood up and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to join the Navy and become a Navy SEAL. And uh, somebody, somebody was in the room had bet me like, no way, you'll never make it. You're not strong enough. You're not tough enough or not big enough. Uh, You're not, you're not big enough and strong enough. Like they didn't know any better, but I literally enlisted in the Navy the next day. Nice. So on a, on a bet, right. So I made, I made it through training and I stayed in, you know, 12 years, I got medically retired in 2010, uh, essentially on a bet that I couldn't make it. (laughs) Did, uh, did you do the dive fair program when you walked in there and told the recruiters yeah. that you wanted to do that it was a dive fair program? Did they know what it was and point you that direction? Or did you have to kind of dig for that? It was actually called seal challenge at that time. Okay. They changed the so name. They had, it, they had changed it to, and I still have this, this, I kept it's in, it's in a binder with some of my awards, but it's the stapled, uh, seal challenge program. Okay. And it has the, uh, it has the, like a 12 week workout program in it, which I followed to the letter, uh-huh. um, running all those, you know, running all those miles in my case on gravel roads, yeah. uh, and which had some carryover to the soft sand, yeah. but not, you know, not a hundred percent, but yeah, it was sealed challenge. So I went in knowing like, that's what I'm going to do. And then I, you know, passed the PT test in boot camp, and then I passed it in, you know, a school. And then I passed it when I showed up and, you know, rest is history. What was your a school again? What was your MOS? Yeah. So I was a, I was a sonar technician Sonar first. Yeah. And that was only because, so it was a, it was a four week a school. Yeah. You were, yeah. So, and, but they don't like, like sonar fleet 
fleet sonar techs have, they have four weeks of a school and then they have like two or three other schools that they take before uh, they go to the fleet. Okay. So I wasn't ever actually a fully qualified sonar tech, but it was like the, you were a buds qualified sonar tech. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, and I had like, I don't, I got like a 99 on the ASVAB. And of course they're like trying to funnel me into the, the nuke thing. Okay. I'm like, you know that, cause there was very tempting, you know, all the money, but I'm like, Hey, I'm not like, that sounds not appealing to me at the all. The big bucks. Yeah. That's yeah, right. Yeah, the right. Nukes. Like I joined them. <laughs> I like, I, I was trying to tell the recruiter, I'm like, yeah. I did not join the Navy to make money. <laughs> right. Yeah. Clearly. There, there are other paths you can take. that might work out a little better if that's your yeah. driving, yeah. Driving force. Oh man, that is wild. Um, but even before that, before college, growing up junior high, yeah. like you grew up on a farm, like you were working hard. Oh yeah. Like they don't yeah. mess around in your family. Like I've met your parents. No. I, yeah. That's some serious no, people no. right there. It, it was, I mean, I remember like people in my buds class would just laugh at me because we would get done at like seven o'clock at night and we'd be running home from chow. And I'd be like, Oh, I can't believe we're already done. And I got <laughs> the, I'm like, and we had three breaks to eat today. This is like great. And so no, there were, I mean, on the whole, yes, like Bud's training is harder than growing up on a farm, but there, there were plenty of days, there were plenty of days that, uh, you know, my Bud's training was not as hard as my <laughs> upbringing on the on the <laughs> hog farm. Seriously. So for people, uh, that, well, they don't know, uh, the, the hog farm, what is that like? What were your, what were your responsibilities? What time did you get up and what time was your dad up? Like I met your dad, like those hands. I'll never forget those mitts Yeah, on your dad. Those are some strong big yeah. hands. You do not no, want to get smacked with one of those. No, your audience will appreciate this, but he can't like put his, his index finger in the trigger guard of like any Glock. I right? understand. So he can't like. I've shaken that hand. Have, I totally get it. Yeah. yeah. So he has like, I don't know, big revolvers and such, but yeah, we would, you know, he it was work hard, play hard on the farm. You know, it was time to, time to wake, you know, wake up and get the chores done. And, um, it was, it was, like I said, it was hard work. We had mostly at the time when I was younger, um, I don't know how detailed to get here, but it was, uh, we would have, it was called Pharaoh to finish. Okay. So we had, we had breeding stock that would make little pigs have, you know, they would, yeah. they would breed, have little pigs that we would raise. Uh, nowadays, most, most, most of it's very separate. So okay. most, most farmers who's, who sell hogs now, they would buy baby pigs that were weaned from the uh, sow and okay. raise them. Uh, we didn't have that. So it was, you know, baby to finish Everything. Uh, a lot of them outside hauling, hauling grain to them. Like we didn't have automatic feeders. We had these troughs, uh, uh like these troughs in the mud. Yeah. And I would have to carry two five gallon buckets of corn, you know, through the mud to them. Um, it, it just very physical carrying the corn. We were moving. We would often, we'd take these moving hogs from the, you know, from the, from where they're farrowed into the, into the nursery and then from the nursery into the finishing house. And up until, you know, until they're like, there were times they were usually carried by hand until they were like 75 to 90 pounds. Okay. So I'm a little kid like carrying these pigs are strong, 
and they're like kicking and everything. You're getting cut by their hooves. <laughs> and then once they're, you know, once they're in the finishing house, you're moving them around on the ground and they're running you over and, you know, all that. And then we had grain. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I remember this very distinctly because it was harvest season and it was 1986. And I remember that because that was like the year the challenger blew up and like, I was still like loved astronauts in space. And I'm like, Oh, I like star Wars. I think I want to be an astronaut. So mm-hmm. anyway, I watched that, you know, I watched that challenger blow up. Uh, it was very, in a, in a classroom, like many people our age oh. did. Um, but I just remember in like being in second grade and uh, it was like 1130, 12 o'clock at night. And I called my dad on the, like on the CB radio, because I was hauling grain um, from fields into the elevator in town. Wow. And I was like, oh, I'm getting kind of tired. And my, so I pulled up to the combine and, uh, you know, I'm in second grade. And he's like, here's some coffee. We got to finish this field tonight. So <laughs> that's wow. just one. And like, I won't even let my, you know, right. Wouldn't let, I wouldn't let my, you know, when my son was a freshman in high school, I would barely let him run a weed eater let alone a, <laughs> you know a tractor hauling two loads of corn to town and certainly no coffee yeah probably no oh, soft yeah. drinks for you guys you guys are so healthy oh man that yeah. is wild so how like what was a typical is there a typical day like are you up mm-hmm. like what day how how early are you getting up and then what are you doing before the sun rises and then you go to school and come back and keep going or what did that what does that look like it just kind of depended on the year. Yeah. Um, like the summer is a really good example. Um, just because you'd wake up, you wake up earlier in the summer cause you have the heat coming. So a lot of times you want to be up by five at the farm by five thirty. get a bunch of work done. Sometimes, sometimes you would be at the farm by 5.00 AM, depending on if uh, you're selling hogs or whatever, it kind of yeah. depended what you had going on. Like if you were selling a load of hogs, you could have a truck driver there by, 6 a.m. but you needed to be there an hour early to have hogs sorted and ready to load into that truck um and we again we had hogs we also had corn and soybeans so it really depended on you know whether there was a project we were doing uh or chores we were doing for hogs or it was planting or harvest right so you had the spring and the fall and that could you could have like perfect storm where you were doing harvest, but during that time, you might also be selling a few loads of hogs. So you'd just be like super busy, but usually wake up very early, uh, especially in the summer, go get your, do your chores. Um, a lot of times wouldn't really eat before that. Like we would, you know, take a a breakfast break or, you know, coffee time as they say in the Midwest. And like my brother and I like always like, eat a donut, drink a Pepsi. Like there was no bottle of water back then. But eat, <laughs> eat they did their defy water. No, no, no. Uh, eat a donut, drink a Pepsi, do some more work. We would always uh, in the summer take like, uh, you know, it can be quite hot in, yeah. in Northwest Iowa. So we'd take a, a lunch break, usually, you know, in the house. Once in a while, we'd go out to eat if we were running errands and, that, and it kind of allowed us to do it but like we would sometimes we would literally because our clothes smelled so bad we'd take our clothes off and eat lunch just like in our underwear 
um, and leave the, you had to leave the clothes outside. Wow. So you'd sit there and we'd eat lunch in our underwear. And if we had like a few extra minutes, we would like lay down on the cold uh, linoleum floor before going back outside because it wow. was, you know, hot and humid. And then we work in the afternoon um, till dinner, usually pretty late. Like we'd always eat dinner like at 8 p.m. or something. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the things I remember being the hardest was during um, football season itself, like especially August. Mm. So it's a hundred and something outside. You have the morning football practice, which I would have done chores before. <laughs> and then, and then you go into football practice in August and you're wearing helmet pads, the whole nine, yeah. you have your morning practice and then you stop. Well, instead of like recovering in the air conditioning, drinking <laughs> a Gatorade and playing Nintendo, uh -huh. like my recovery was like baling hay or feeding <laughs> hogs or like, so then I would go like, I'd go right to the farm. And like a lot of times we'd be baling straw or hay yeah. that time of year. And you're just like lifting bales after doing football practice. Yeah. Um, and then you had the afternoon football practice. And then, you know, after that, I would go do, go do the, you know, nighttime chores. So two football practices with a, you know, farm work in between and chores before and after um, would really like, that would really wear you out. So <laughs> I'm exhausted like, just listening to it. Yeah. There was like no amount of food I could eat that would help me like gain, you know, maintain <laughs> weight. So you know what? There's so many benefits to that too. I mean, connection to the land, obviously appreciation for where your food comes from, obviously all the work that goes in to getting it to that shelf on the grocery store that most people don't even think about these days, or a lot of people don't anyway. Yeah. Um, but what always, uh, you know, impressed me about you, I remember distinctly from 2000. So we've known each other 22 years. Um, yeah. and, uh, just how hard you worked when you showed up in that platoon. Um, yeah. it was, it was noticeable how you yeah. always volunteered for everything and you always worked harder than, than everybody else. Last person to leave, like all of that, you and happy doing all the, uh, armory stuff, uh, armory at that, that job's probably the, the most intensive Sucks. anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I mean, you guys took it next level and did such a good job with it and you were always there and always working. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so I remember, <laughs> I remember that. I remember you telling, being like, yeah, this isn't that bad. You know, like <laughs> we, uh, I still have like three more hours of chores to do, uh, normally. And, uh, and you're just, yeah. you know, doing your inventories and, and all that sort of a thing. But I, that's, that sticks out to me to this day. No, I appreciate it. And yeah, we, I mean, A, he was happy, was, and is a hard worker. Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And I had, I was, I was grateful. Um, it took me a while, but at some point, and I think it was when I was in Virginia beach, I called my dad and I was like, you know what, dad? Um, thank you. Because I have, you know, I have a really good uh, work ethic mm -hmm. and I can, you know, I can handle more than most when it comes to like, Hey, we got to oh, yeah. show up and do all this. So oh, no, yeah. I, I appreciate it. Oh, of course. It's definitely noticed. It, 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 uh, and everyone else noticed as well. And that brings everybody else's levels up, which is awesome. Uh, and you've done that throughout your life, whether in the military or out, but, uh, did your parents ever talk to you about like, uh, the finances or is our hogs kind of like cattle and do things yeah. fluctuate and, uh, and that Commodity. sort of a thing? Yeah. What's, uh, how does that work? Or did you, were you aware of that growing up or was there a point in time where you became aware of it? Yeah. I, I knew it was, I knew it was hard, like, because you'd have, 
you didn't have like control on, you know, what you're, what you're selling it for or mm-hmm. when, like yeah. you're going to sell your grain when it comes out of the field. Right. And you're going to sell your hogs when they're ready to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to hold on to them too long. They just keep eating, eating feed. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, I, for me, it was like, I, I became distinctly aware when I was in middle school mm-hmm. And, uh, was showing, like I would show hogs at the fair and, um, I would, my dad would, uh, I mean, I give him a lot of credit for this. So they, my, my dad and my uncle who were partners, uh, in, in the farm, they'd sell me like, let's say one or two pens, uh, of hogs. So call it 30 to 60 hogs that they would sell to me, uh, on an interest-free loan. Right. So I would, I own those hogs. Mm-hmm. I'd pay them back later. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I didn't, you know, as a seventh grader, I didn't have the working capital to buy, you know, that many right. hogs. So they'd sell me these hogs. I would, you know, have to feed them and raise them. And then when the fair came, I would choose the top three to go show. And then, you know, I would, at the end of that season, so to speak, I would, they would sell all those hogs, you know, they would drive them to market. And I would get the proceeds, right? So I'd get this big check. Uh, I would then pay my dad and uncle mm-hmm. back for the cost of those hogs, yep. uh, as well as the cost of the feed that I that it would have taken to uh, bring them to market weight. Okay. Um, but I would have this, like, you know, I'd write it down on a sheet of paper, and I'm like, oh man, I made a few thousand dollars, pretty good for an eighth grader, right? Yeah, not bad. And I, I, you know, I was pretty stingy with it, so I had. I would, I would keep that, uh, you know, at least once a year. And then there were a couple of years when like my dad would sell a load of like corn and soybeans in my name at the elevator. Mm. So let's say I had a couple hundred bushel or a thousand bushel, or I forget the number, but that grain is in an elevator in my name. Yeah. And every month that it's there, you know, I'd be paying storage on it. It's kind of like a bank. Yeah. Right. But if I'm watching the commodities markets, like I, like I'll try to sell it high. Right. Cause it was a gift to me and I'll never forget. I, I don't remember the, I mean, I hope no one quotes me on this, but I remember there was a time where a, I listened to a report on the radio and they were projecting soybeans to go up $2 a bushel. Mm-hmm. And they said, don't sell, like hold what you got. So I held what I, what I had. And sure enough, like a couple of weeks later, soybeans went up two bucks a bushel. And for me, it was, it ended up being like a couple thousand extra dollars. So, um, I, and I never, my, my dad never actually paid me to work on the farm. So he, I had to, you know, buy and sell hogs on an interest free loan, or I would get these, you know, I, I would get grain in my name, but I never made a dime for working there. But I, you know, graduated high school, like 20 grand in the bank. Cause I had done these like big kind of bigger things. And then I would do, you know, I would do chores for, I would do chores for neighbors. Like, you know, didn't have long. enough work at home. Well, I wanted some spending money. I gotcha. So yeah, I would like, I would go and like, I would mow lawns and rake leaves and like, go like, you know, do chores around their, you know, their farm or whatever. Right. But yeah, I would always like, it was, it was nonstop. I had a summer, uh, where I would do, and this is like in middle school before going into high school, like I was 
on the swim team doing two practice, like practicing every morning, doing one meet a week. Yeah. I was playing baseball, practicing every afternoon and doing a game in the week and a game on the weekend, um, lifting weights, doing chores on the farm and all this, all this stuff. Like, I, I don't even know. I'm thinking about it now. I'm like, I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> It's incredible. I can't do it now. I don't have that much energy anymore. <laughs> oh, man. It's just more defy. Um, yeah, it definitely would need a lot of defy to get through that day. <laughs> oh, man. That's incredible. Um, yeah, and the finance part, was it, uh, and I'll, I'll get the gist of this right, but um, I think Dwight Eisenhower, he said something along the lines of uh, farming looks pretty easy when your plow is a pencil and you're a thousand miles from a cornfield. Um, I love that. Yeah. yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it, it stuck with me, not just for farming, but for, uh, really anything that people in Washington, uh, don't understand about, uh, the rest of the country because they haven't physically done it themselves or haven't built yeah. a business or whatever it might be. But, uh, I feel that, that, that quote is fairly, uh, no, I love uh it. relevant, uh, even outside of, of farming. Um, yeah. but you know, we got a, a great work ethic in this family is our daughter and you were, you were there for, I forget which birthday, her fourth birthday, maybe yeah. fifth birthday. Yeah. And you did the pinata off the balcony in Coronado. Yep. <laughs> that was, she still remembers that. It's, it's uh, oh my yeah. Gosh, so that's she great. works at a, uh, a restaurant here in town and, you know, we didn't even say anything about it. She just wanted to do it and went out there and oh. got this job. And she's, it's been two years now. And, uh, and yeah, she loves paying for everything on her own, paying for her gas. Now that she's driving, you believe that crazy. Yeah. Um, but she pays for all that on her own and, uh, takes a lot of pride in, uh, in being there and working hard and taking double shifts and taking other people's shifts and, um, wow. saving up and, uh, puts half of it away to save. Uh, yeah. Without even being told, she just started doing wow. that right off the bat. Amazing. But, uh, but yeah, that That's work a- ethic has, uh, has served you well. Um, and yeah, there's so many benefits to, to growing up in a way, the way that, that you did. Um, it's yeah. just super, super cool. Um, so then you get to the SEAL teams and you breeze through training because it's so easy because it's not the farm and, uh, get to the teams. Hey, I forget. When did, um, when did you realize that uh, you had this, some medical thing that was it like before the like they shouldn't have let you in or was yeah, it like at I mean, team five? I forgot. I forgot. Well, it's oh, gosh, such a long story. So I had this, I had these pains growing up that sometimes would like buckle me over and I had been, you know, never really got a good diagnosis. And then in the Navy, it was like, oh, we think it's like irritable bowel syndrome, right? Which come to find out, it you know, it was kidney stones. Well, um, given given that diagnosis, and I had a, I had one of those uh, like attacks during Hell Week. Mm. So like I had a kidney stone during Hell Week, oh. right? Like which is like two of the. I don't know, ho- most horrible things at the same time. Uh, it got kidney stones. <laughs> yeah. And so anyway, that was before, obviously before that's part of my training and before I got to team five, long story short, I, I was on a, a second platoon. We were at Fort Chaffee, Arkansas. Yeah. And I had, I had a, an attack like that, but it never went away. It was like a week. So basically it was a stone that was too big to pass. Oh. So I finally went to a, a local doctor, uh, off base doctor, uh, Clint Bruce's uh, stepfather, oh, nice. by the way. Okay. And uh, I got I got like an a, an X ray with contrast, which is like this fluid that can see mm. you know the passing of of whatever yeah. in your like 
in your kidney and yeah. your bladder and all that, you know, plumbing. And they're like, yeah. whoa, there's a big stone here. So they went to try, they, I went home, I went back to San Diego. I went to Balboa. They tried to, you know, remove, they removed the stone uh, with like sound wave therapy, which is like, oh. they, they, they bash you in the abdomen with these sound waves, which breaks the stone up. Wow. And so you kind of wake up and it feels like, you know, someone was just throwing hooks to your body wow. for like an hour. So then you get, a, you know, peed out the stones. And then uh, they went in to kind of fix my, there's a tube between your kidney and your, you know, bladder called your ureter. And mine had scar tissue in it, which they suspect I was born with. So they went in to give, like, it's supposed to be a, like an hour surgery. And I woke up like nine hours later without a kidney in Balboa Hospital. So yeah, I, remember I signed, that part. like, sure. I, I signed a waiver like on the hospital bed, I signed a waiver to stay in the military because you're not like, they're like, like hey, they would have let you in with one. Right. Right. And they're like, well, now you're kicked out. And um, I was like, Oh, that's great. Like, and, uh, but then a guy, a guy from team five medical named Les. I remember uh, that name. I can't feel yeah. Though. So he rolls in. He's like, well, I think I found this waiver and da, da, da. So I signed this, I signed this waiver <laughs> to stay in the military, like on the hospital bed. That and I'm still wild. like, I'm still on the morphine handle, you know, uh-huh. I'm like, it was no question. Right. I signed it. Um, well, fast forward to. Yeah. Uh, 2008. So 2008, um, I get IED. Uh, at this time I'm at dev group. So I get IED in Iraq and, uh, I didn't get injured too badly. I just got, I mean, it was a bad IED. Didn't a wall fall on you? Well, the building we were getting ready to go into was rigged to explode. And I was thankfully by the window because I had, I was the first man to that building and I stopped at the window to clear into the room as the team went by me. And there were, you know, there were some guys in there waiting for us. So I was like engaging them in the, you know, the window and then as the main team was going through the front door, which had a, a, like a, a rooftop over it, the whole house blew up. And so they kind of got crushed. And what saved me was uh, being by the window, like all the overpressure blew me away from the building, like 20, you know, 30 feet away. So I had like a, I had a pretty bad concussion. I couldn't like stand up for a little while. Um, and. Uh, you know, they're like, so, you know, I got a purple heart for getting a concussion while other people like died and got crushed and stuff like that. So was that Mike and, and Nate? He, well, that, no, Mike and Nate was like three nights before that. Um, so this was like a very busy, <laughs> very busy deployment. But uh, that was, so Louis Safrant died that night with the IED. Anyway, long story, when you get a purple heart, like the Bureau of Navy Medicine knows about it. And, um, and then they're like, I, I think they. Someone looked like, in your record outside of Naval Special Warfare? Yeah. So they looked mm. in my record and they're like, well, you know, how's it possible for. <laughs> this guy's only for, got one kidney. Well, he's got a waiver. I guess the waiver I signed was like, I was supposed to be non deployable. Uh-huh. And that, so from 2002 to that point, you know, they, I had been deploying my fair share. And then they, uh, 
So they show up at they show up at the command, and they're like, "Well, where's this Frohart at?" And uh, <laughs> I was I was literally like, when they showed up, I was uh, at the fourteen thousand foot camp on Denali. Wow. So my CO, like they went and talked to medical at the command and they talked to like my CO and my CO was like, well, he's climbing Denali. And then uh, they're like, well, he's not fit to serve anymore. And my CO, who was hilarious. Um, he goes, well, he's fit enough to climb Denali. Isn't that good <laughs> enough? <laughs> it was so funny. Oh man. Anyway. So, so crazy. Yeah. That was kind of the, the combination of the, the loss of the kidney. And then I had like, you know, a lot of overuse injuries and then I got hurt in combat and they're like all this other stuff. And they're like, Hey, you can't deploy anymore. Yeah. And then, uh, ultimately that's what led to me getting a, like a medical retirement right. uh, in 2010. So the, the goal was always to do, you know, 20 years, but you know, the Bureau of Navy medicine had other plans. They found out about you. They just, they, they found out, Oh yeah. man. Did you, did they send you home from that deployment when the, the, the building blew up? Oh, you stayed? No, I, and yeah. So my little, I think we had a seven man assault team, yeah. uh, and my little team at the squadron and like that we deployed with. And at the end of that, I was the only one who stayed. So oh, everyone else did not, I was the only one who finished that deployment. Oh geez. So it was a, yeah, it was a rough one. Like that, like I said, Super Bowl Sunday was uh, a couple nights before that, and that's when Mike and Nate died, and a couple other guys got you know shot. So okay. pretty, uh, pretty busy little trip. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So wild. Did uh, now going back though. So that that <laughs> that Team Five uh, doc uh, mm -hmm. that gave you that waiver. Um, I wonder if he knew, or he's just like, Oh, I found this waiver. You can stay in. And you're like, Oh, sign. And then if it had been any other command, probably in the military, someone would have looked at that and been like, Oh, uh, he's also non-deployable. Let's go tell yes. him that. And let's tell his command that and figure out if he's going to stay around here in an admin capacity or yep. if he's going to medically retire, or if we're going to send him somewhere outside of special operations to finish out his time, whatever. Um, yep. but this is NSW and it was still team five back in the day. And I'm sure yep. things are not, uh, electronic service records yet. Probably maybe that's just coming online and you sign this thing. It goes into some, you know, into right. this folder that's growing, you know, by the day essentially. And, uh, it's just another piece of paper in there that you signed, uh, along with all this other stuff that you don't even understand. Uh, and, and oh, you yeah. stayed. It's like it, it went somewhere in like that warehouse, like on Raiders of the Lost, Lost Ark. Ark. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's somewhere in this. I don't right. know where. But oh, yeah. No, man. I don't know if he wants to be mentioned. I'll just say his first name is Les. Yeah. And he was, uh, so he was the guy for him. Who, who did that. <laughs> and, and come to find out, I would later see him. Uh, he would later be at uh, Dev Group as nice. well uh, oh, in a support awesome. role. So he's an awesome guy. And he, you know, hey, I, I, uh, I really, you know, I wanted to be a, a SEAL for 20 years and I was in, uh, I was in a great place at a great time in history mm -hmm. uh, for the time that I was there and I wanted to stay longer. And then when, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't make a decision to get out. The Navy yeah. medically retired me. So mm -hmm. I have, you know, it happened and I had my, you know, I had had my share of close calls, you know, from the, as you know, we talked about two of them just a moment ago and 
having been IED three different times and grenades blowing up all over and just stuff like that. Like my wife was pretty, not my wife, but my teammates were pretty sure that I don't, you know, if you have nine lives, I have definitely burnt eight. Yeah. So when I got the medical retirement and I'm, you know, it just, it, it just kind of, Hey, it is what it is. Uh, I, I took it and moved on. <laughs> yeah. No, amazing. And, uh, but our first, uh, our first deployment, uh, together. Yeah. So my second year first, uh, yeah. like two weeks into that was September 11th. And, yeah. uh, so we'd been together at that point for a little over a year doing our, our work up together yeah. and, um, going through the, the team five stuff and then, uh, deployed to Guam and, we think we're going to uh, maybe go to Okinawa, <laughs> maybe Thailand, maybe Australia. Um, Pacific I, cruise. Yeah, you know, and then, um, yeah, two weeks into it. I mean, I remember my my room. I remember the the posters I had on the wall. I had this American handgunner with a Larry Vickers 45 up there. I had some, uh, you know, we didn't have, I think we might have had computers or phones, but we didn't have like TVs. You could Nothing was like streaming or anything. You couldn't like no, have a, there was a TV at the end of the hallway. You, big, yeah. You remember it as at the end of the hallway. I remember it as in the basement. Oh, well, I, don't, wait, I mean, I remember running to the end of the hallway cause they had like a tiki bar. Uh, and, and again, my, who knows it, it. I, I might, sorry, my dog. Cause we watched it together. Yeah, and my memory yeah. is distinctly, uh, yours is distinctly end of the hallway and mine is distinctly of a basement. And, and hey, we've had our share of head injuries. So <laughs> it's probably a basement at the end of the hallway. Between those two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I remember the phone ringing um, and the phone's ringing up and down that hallway. And I remember people knocking on doors and everybody opening the doors and then going into the hallway and then going either to the end of the hall or to the basement and, uh, and then watching, watching the Twin Towers fall on TV. I think we had CNN on and oh my uh, gosh. we all sat there, like the whole platoon. I think everyone was there except for the I, headshed. You know, they, they lived elsewhere. Um, they had but, their, yeah, but we were in our little room. Yes. Um, yes. They had probably yeah. nicer places, I guess. But I remember us all being in there, you know, E5 mafia, I, everybody being there. I remember, I remember, I'm gonna let my dog out a second. Yeah, do it. I, rem, I remember very distinctly. So Leah, you know, Leah was back in San Diego um, so we had a, we had somehow a phone in our rooms yep, because she, I remember the phones. She, she called me and she's like, Hey, someone just bombed the world trade center. Mm -hmm. And then I was, you know, it was early there or whatever, or actually it would have been late there because yeah, it was like early on. Yeah. It was early on the West coast. And my wife was up early preparing for a, a college final, mm. right. Kind of cramming last minute. So, and I'm like, what? You're making, you're not making any sense. And I go down to the end of the hallway and people started to, or into the basement hallway or whatever <laughs> it was, people start to trickle in mm -hmm. and then everyone kind of gets there in time and there's, you know, a hole or whatever. And like, man, maybe some, some pilot just screwed up and flew his Cessna or his helicopter. And then we're all kind of sitting there. You know, and then in real time, we watched the second plane come in. It was like, whoa. Yeah. And then I, you know, everything changed after that moment. Like yeah. the ramp up, we didn't know where we were going to go. We just started training very seriously, loading out, you know, loading our, our gear, getting ready for, oh, we got all this jungle gear. Looks like we might go to the <laughs> desert. Uh, yeah. I remember you doing your, 
you know, briefing us on UBL and Al Qaeda. And I was like, Oh man, that's pretty rad. You knew all that stuff. (laughs) Um, it was, uh, you know, you're, you're a student of history, obviously. And you knew all about that. Uh, it was very, very, uh, I mean, it was a scary time, but like, what a, what an interesting time, right. Uh, to be, you know, in our, in the roles we had. Oh yeah. I remember we used to, I mean, I thought we were going to go, I thought we were going to the show. Like, wow, we're in that position that everyone talks about the timing wise. Like remember everybody would always say before September 11th, you can't chase it, you know, these things. And they were looking back on things, flashpoints like Mogadishu or first Gulf war or Grenada or Panama, that sort of a thing. Um, they're looking at those flashpoints. You can't chase it. Um, and, uh, we're like, wow, we are in the right place at the right time. We're going in. Right. And uh, and I missed the loadout part because me and Sharp, remember we had to go and do PSD for what they called at the time Commander Syncpack Fleet. I think they changed the name yep. since. And uh, he, he was going to these different countries to shore up alliances with different allies and with the Philippines. We went to a few other, other places. But man, we didn't know that much about what was going on. So we would just load up and just had grenades all over us and knives all yep. over us and mags. And we'd be out there essentially, you know, guarding the plane or guarding a building or whatever oh it, it might be. But, uh, you know, no one really knew anything yet. And you're like, every time you landed somewhere, you thought you were going to immediately get attacked because there's American flags on this jet and, and all that. But I think that was like a week or so, or maybe a little bit yeah. more than we came back. And, and, uh, and by that time you guys had everything palletized, uh, essentially. And, yeah. uh, and off we went on those C-17s to, yeah. Uh, to the Middle East and, you know, still hoping we're going to get after it and then end up taking the shipboarding operations for team three, which before September 11th was awesome. Sounded well, awesome. That's show. where you wanted to yeah. go and what you wanted to yeah. do after September 11th. You wanted to get into Afghanistan as fast as you could. Um, yep. so that's just how it went. Did we give them our, uh, like snowshoes and stuff like that? Or did they, <laughs> did they call REI and have them ship them to Kuwait? I forget how that worked, know. but they didn't have any cold weather stuff and we did. And then they ended I up going. So- I was, I mean, obviously very jealous. Like I was jealous when we replaced them so they could go to, mm-hmm. you know, Afghanistan, but you know, whatever it, it, it worked out. Um, yeah, I no, it did work out. I, I think it was also, it was, you know, as I look, as I look back, um, it was, it was interesting. Like, Hey, we got a few real world, yeah. uh, shipboardings. I, I remember I'm a brand new guy. And, uh, you know, there was a night where, you know, our lead climber, uh, got his gun like stuck in the ladder and couldn't go. And I was holding the ladder and he tapped, tapped me. And, you know, I, I climbed, uh, an, an underway non-compliant shipboarding, did a lead climb, had to climb up there and set a runner and, you know, put the little chem light over the edge and say, come on up. And I'm thinking like, you know, it's like some Iranian ship and I'm just waiting to get lit exactly. up on the bridge. Full of terrorists like, oh right there. Gosh. Ready yeah. to do the invasion USA. And, you know, Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, as a, you know, 22 year old, I'm like, Oh, this is pretty rad. Yeah. Um, I know, look back it on was, it too. Same way. Cause it, uh, that was the only time that, uh, I got to do, or we got to do that kind of a boarding. And after that, we got to go to Iraq and Afghanistan and do those yep. things. But that was the only time where we got to do, I mean, we, Remember we boarded a, I think we boarded like a Dow first and then yeah. the class three tankers and like a bunch of stuff yep. in between. But, uh, but that was super interesting. Now looking back, 
on it. I got yeah. it. And with that picture, that picture of us, me and you yeah, right yeah. there, you posted oh, yeah. it a little while ago and like yep. your balaclava is up like this. Like <laughs> I know. And I have like a, like this big, you know, Darth helmet, <laughs> space balls helmet on. And, uh, <laughs> the helmets were so and bad. I had a headlamp that I got from REI. Uh-huh, the big old headlamps. Uh huh. Yeah. A couple double A's. Maybe it was even more, maybe it was like C's on the back or something. Yeah. I don't even, I don't remember. But, hey, but uh, at least yeah. at least we were rocking MP5s. MP5s, so. we got to rock the MP5s before those went away, and all they left us was the SDs. But yep. uh, got to rock. Do you remember the night I went in the drink? Yeah. Oh yeah. So I remember crazy. we were doing like between the between the two between the two boats, yeah. and I'm like, I was like, I think we were moving. Like, yeah, I, we never we didn't stop I, for some reason. We always like yeah, kept like, moving. Why don't we stop? <laughs> like, if we're gonna like, I'm sure there's gonna, a reason. I don't know what it is I, though. I know. And you went into the ocean with your radio on your back at night, not waterproofed. Like, you know? Yeah. Well, I was like, "Oh, dude, he's yeah. at, like." I just re- I I remember that well. Yeah, um, yeah, I remember it well too. Um, I remember talking to our chief afterward, and he thought that that was the last that you guys were going to see of me. Um, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, oh, so we were, we kept moving. So the Mark Five is kind of like a PT boat for those listening, like bigger, and then yep. the rib rigid hull inflatable boat is like a. Uh, a uh, smaller version that has these uh, rubber uh, sides so that you can bounce up against things and, and all that. Uh, and it's a lot smaller. And so uh, we do do the shipboardings off that rib. And then after we're done, we come back to the larger Mark V and have to yep. like jump over, jump between them. And uh, for whatever reason, man, something so hit a swell just the wrong way and, boom, and right between the two. Like, yeah. yeah. Right between no, the two. It was- it was uh, it was pretty dicey. I it, I don't know how it worked out this way, but there were nights when I would be a lead climber. Well, act you know, actually the one time that I did happy you know had done the lead climbing, I was right behind him. His gun got stuck, so I replaced him. And and then but then there were other nights. You know, you're a brand new guy, like you're a breacher. So there there was a night when I was carrying the torch, and I actually got to on an underway vessel. Um, bust out the torch and like make a diamond cut into mm-hmm. the side of this, you know, moving ship. And it, it was like, you know, that was a trip. And that thing, those tanks on your back and trying to climb with those or whatever, like that was uh, just, I mean, I'm looking back on it, like kind of like wearing a heavy radio. I'm like, this is ridiculous. And yeah. it's like a bomb on your back. Yeah, Basically. that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, I think I remember why you had to do, um, why you were a lead climber a couple other times. I think because Hap had to go to that ship oh, yeah. and get on the helicopter. Yep. So yep. he would do sniper overwatch on that yep. uh, on that helo. And yep. Uh, yep. and then so that put you in the the point man lead climber yep. position and off you went. Like <laughs> we had some I great was... ISRs on a VHS tape somewhere. Our OIC yeah, had, yeah. do you remember that? From that yep. one? And I guess it's from a helicopter or maybe a, yep. I don't know, maybe a, I don't know, maybe another aircraft, I forget, but yeah. it was pretty cool because you see us approach, you see us hook, you see us climb, you see us yep. move off and with like like pistols. And then, you know, it was really, really cool. Uh, it was like it the FLIR video. It was like the FLIR video, right? From the, or yeah. was it IS? Yeah. Yeah, it was was, really yeah cool. that's what it was. That's right. That's right. That's exactly yeah, what it yeah. was. And that Super was really cool. cool. And I think, I think that was the one. And, and I, I remember us watching it because I was like, oh no, it's going to show this thing that I do. And, uh, and I'm climbing up the, la- I'm climbing up this thing and I forget why it took longer than usual or whatever, but I went to get up and I think I'm right behind happy on this one. I think and uh-huh. Hap goes over, he does the, you know, secures it or whatever. And then yep. he takes security and I come up behind 
And I like went and it's night and things are bouncing around. I don't think the weather was great. And I went to pull up and get over that edge and it caught because our body armor was huge. Remember yeah. that body armor? Oh, yeah. It was like, yeah. it was crazy. And so I caught and then like everything, you know, you're right, you know, your MP5 and everything else and the radio. All there. And like, I'm trying to get over this thing and I like couldn't push out to get over this thing because there's you have so much stuff on. And I remember I'm like, hop, hop. And uh, he turns and for whatever reason, the ISR like moves away. At the, right at that time. So it just shows me climbing and getting to that point and it turns away and then it pans back and, and like, on the, I'm, I'm on, on moving <laughs> and it looks like so legit. It looked awesome. Uh, but really happy came over and like, you know, yeah, got me over. Um, but that was a cool one. That takedown was pretty cool. I remember. And then doing yep. the, the, the exothermic torch and the quickie saw to make that. Yeah. Do you remember what we did? Why we did the, um, cut those triangles or cut those things and we throwing the smokes in. that's right that's right yeah, yeah. And did we get in trouble for that or was it like did we ask to use cs gas and we couldn't because it was like some chemical warfare thing I and they were like know. you can't do that so we just threw in like orange smoke or something yeah smoke, yeah no, I, I remember that i remember having like this i don't know someone came up with the asinine idea to bring reserve parachutes what i don't remember this to foul the oh i do remember this and, now and we were gonna like so that's for right. Your, Where did that idea your, come from? Did we try it? I don't, I think we were going to, we never did. Like, so the, the, just so people understand these boats are coming down and oh, they're yeah. skirting in and out of Iranian water. Mm-hmm. And there was a time when the boat, like we are on this ship, it's a tanker and it's going into Iranian water. And like one of the courses of action is to just jump overboard. <laughs> yeah, I remember you that. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be on, you know, on a boat that is like getting blasted at or boarded by the Iranian Navy. No. Um, so we had this idea like, well, if we can't get into the bridge to stop them or make them change course or into the engineering room to, you know, kill the motor, what if we like foul the props or the screws? So someone, I don't know, it may have been, may have been our chief I was, who, shall, <laughs> who shall remain unnamed uh, but I, he was gonna tie the. he was gonna we were gonna tie the the parachute onto like a a climbing line onto something solid on the like on the fan tail and pop a reserve into the water and hope it would like foul the <laughs> yeah it might have worked i don't know <laughs> i mean now i'm wondering you know those things are pretty powerful though but i don't know yeah oh man that's just so wild and remember they had um, like barbed wire strewn about the decks oh, to foul yeah. line, so you couldn't fast rope. So that took the helo option out. Um, yep. They took those uh, the ladders, cut the ladders off everywhere, so you had to hook again. Sometimes when you yep. got onto the deck, you had to to get up to that uh, whatever they yep. call that tower part. Um, you had to hook again and climb again. Uh, the to get bridge wing the, is it the bridge wing? Uh, something like that. Something like that. I used fantail. I was very impressed by the fantail yeah. reference a little while ago. That was very good. Uh, port, starboard, bow, fantail, all those things. Um, One time they actually created a metal box inside the bridge. So if you breached into the bridge, there was another box around the helm. Wow. um, Which, you know, they were very, very creative. Oh, yeah. And those sheets, metal sheets that were welded on and and all that. So we had to breach through there, throw in the smoke to make them come out, essentially open the door, and then we'd go in. I remember being an E5 on the on the yeah. deck, like with my GPS and then looking at the the compass and like turning a class three tanker back into oh, international yeah. waters. Yeah, and yeah, then you that's... turn it over to a prize crew, people who actually know what they're doing in the Navy can actually drive these things. Um, yep. And then we'd get off and, and go maybe do it again the next night or whatever it might well, be. 
it did, it did serve me well. Like, you know, I went, so like I said, I went to dev group later and then we were doing our first, you know, I'll just say mm -hmm. shipboarding block there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was with my, my team leader and da, 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 da. And they're talking and such. And, you know, I was the uh, only guy in my squadron who had had uh, a few uh, real world shipboardings. That's so right. Not that it, uh, not that it, it, it pales in comparison to what, you know, other people in my squadron had done, but, uh, it, it helped Different. me like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, Hey, I can, uh, so like I was a brand new guy and they made me right into a lead climber. There so you go. Was, uh, there you cool. go. Man, we got in pretty good shape on that deployment too. Cause it was, uh, oh, yeah. we're in Kuwait. Uh, if you're not boarding, like you would, uh, what do we have? Like blue and gold, like nights or whatever yep. with another platoon and, and all yep. that. What was it four days on or something like, something like three days on something like that. Yep. But uh, so we got in pretty good shape. I, and I remember what workout you were doing. Do you remember? I remember your workout uh, in those days. I forget that time. Ken I mean, Shamrock. I, I have. Here's the Ken Shamrock oh, squats. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the lion's den squats. There it is. How many? Yeah, yeah. I, like you had to be able to do, oh, man, with like a set of 500 or something. <laughs> body weight squats. That's yeah. right. You were a body weight yep. squatting machine on that deployment. Oh, my gosh. Oh, uh -huh. my gosh. And I had this. I had this funny, like, and I had a runner's world four day a week running program nice. that I was That's doing right. on, the, on, on the treadmill, mm -hmm. um, on the treadmill there. I um, that gym was like legit. Yeah. Um, I remember doing no running cause I didn't want to, I was like, gotta get yoked. So that one no, I put I, on yeah. some pounds. That was you did, awesome. You did. I, was, I was throwing some weight around on that deployment. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the pre, yeah. pre, still pre CrossFit days, still pre functional fitness type days, yep. still like old school 1980s encyclopedia of bodybuilding uh, days. Back yeah, chest that's rise. it. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what it was. Uh, and back at the team, we would have done you know some soft sand runs or swim yeah, or yeah. something like that. But on deployment, it was just about back and buys, you know, hitting but, the iron. That's right. That's getting right. That, getting that myoplex oh, from, the, from the extreme. That's right. That's right. The myoplex. <laughs> Hilarious. And then we always oh, get in I trouble for wearing flip flops. Remember the flip flops in the shower hall? And the, uh, and you guys would, we'd put the little, the little lousing straps. Exactly. Lousing that straps was, around because you could wear sandals. But yep. not flip flops. So we took those little bikes. tiny things, and yep. then somebody got crazy about it. Remember somebody? We and they wouldn't. They made something we couldn't even do that anymore. We couldn't make them into sandals by putting these little tiny blouse yep. straps around your ankle um, to get so a dumb. you know yeah just one of those things. I remember the. I I seem to recall the main reason for you putting on weight was either. A, Cause I remember it, in the, in the warehouse, like our bunks were right across each yeah, other. Yeah. And I remember you had like all these books and one of them was either the one that got away or Bravo two zero. And one of those guys had like bulked up and oh. credit, he had credited it to his survival. Right. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like if you watch the show alone, they, they, they gain weight before they go so that they can starve. And it, I remember you telling me like, well, if I go on E and E and I'm bigger, I have like more fuel to burn. Dang, that uh, sounds exactly like me. Um, I don't know if that was the case. Like, oh, we might be on E and E here in Kuwait, but I, I think <laughs> I was still hoping. I think I still had hopes of getting into Afghanistan. You know, it was yeah, still yeah. early enough where things were kind of unknown. So yeah. I thought we still, I still might be able to sneak in there somehow. 
Um, yeah, yeah. But I actually, I think it's Chris Ryan's the one that got away because I read yeah. Bravo Two Zero earlier, and I had Chris Ryan on the podcast, and I made yep, notes I in the front of it, and I would be it was about night vision and and a few things like that, um, and I read those to him on the podcast. Uh, and what a great guy! What a great guy! But that's what he did, and that's what I when I would think about my E and E kit, because remember before that people would have these E and E kits and they'd be like fishing lures and like all oh, these yeah. things in there. Like you could essentially, you know, survive for months, uh, with these kits. Um, and then I read that book and I was like, I'm just going to run to Syria. Like Chris Ryan, if something happens, if you know, oh, yeah. around, whatever the neighboring country, um, you know, I'm going to run into Pakistan or whatever it is. Um, and these are my getaway sticks. And if I'm bulked up, you know, I can, and my body can have a little more fuel. Yeah, I did. It's so funny. It's so funny you say that. So I distinctly remember, I believe it was the one that got away and he had, he was big and it helped him on his E&E. And that was one of your, one of your, you know, reasons. Um, (laughs) So I I don't know if that's, I don't know if, again, could have been the same thing as the basement or the hallway, but that's what I remember. Oh yeah. Uh, And I'll, I'll never forget later on in my, you know, later on in my career, doing a, a mission with those guys, the Brits. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was, you know, in Afghanistan and augmenting them on one of their missions mm-hmm. as a, uh, as a navigator, a point man and a sniper. Nice. And, uh, there, it was like literally, uh, like a 60 minute E and E brief as part of their overall brief. Wow. And I was like, what like it's serious stuff right yeah. and i looked at my i looked at my uh so i was a team leader at the time and i looked at my number two guy who was with me and i w- was like this radio is our e and e plan yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it uh-huh. we're getting out of here we're running exactly and getting someone to pick us up uh-huh. I had a couple different compasses, you know, different yep. GPS, uh, actual compass, a little watch compass. You know, yep. one of these things is going to work and I'll be able to be like, okay, uh, yeah, northwest, northeast, south, whatever, wherever I'm running, wherever that closest border is. And I'm just Steal running. Steal a Hilux, stealing a Hilux and rolling. <laughs> yeah, because we have pistols still, even if something else gets blown off us like that. And we yep. can use that to steal a majority of vehicles in the in the world. Um, that's man, that's, that's wild. But it was, I mean, that was a, that was a great experience, uh, in that, uh, yeah. in that platoon. I mean, we had some interesting yeah. personalities. Yeah. Um, I remember, uh, and then got back and then I got to go to Uzbekistan cause I thought, Oh, that's closer. Uh, and I got to go there yep. and do a little sniper thing up there with the, uh, the Uzbek special forces. So I got to do that, which was a pretty cool experience. Uh, and then I'd already decided to go to OCS before that deployment, before September yep. 11th. Otherwise, I probably would have made a different decision had September 11th happened in like February of 2001 instead well, of right. what it did. Um, so I came back, did that, went to OCS, and then uh, and you did another platoon at Team Five. And uh, yep. where did you guys go on that one? Uh, that one we Is that went Okinawa? to Okinawa. Yeah. It was brutal, um, and that's right at the. So we, I mean, I'll summarize it by saying I went on a nine and a half month deployment. Nine and a half months? Why was it so long? Three weeks. And that's not long for army guys. I mean, army, Uh, army year, some of these guys, 14 months, I remember in Baghdad in 2004, they had to, these guys were at the year mark and then they, maybe it was even longer than they had, they they got to the airport. Some had flown home already and then uh, they had to stay longer and some people had to fly back and yeah, anyway, army puts in some time. Um, Dude, but, uh, why I, was I yours nine? Ours guys, were typically six. Yeah. So I, to, before I forget, I ran into dudes when I was in Iraq, uh, this was on one of my dev group trips, but they were on month 18. 
Wow. Like they were a striker brigade. Like, hey, we need the strikers here. Yeah, and I was like, I was like 18 months. Wow. Like that is legit. That's putting out. Um, that is putting out. But yeah, so uh, we ended up deploying early to relieve a platoon that was there so that they could go to Iraq. That was great. So Ugh. we <laughs> we <laughs> we go there to Oki and and they're like we were like our, we, you know, as people would understand you, you kind of train with another platoon. You have a sister, sister platoon. platoon. Situation. Yeah. yeah. And ours was always really good. Uh, we had a really solid platoon. Um, I was surprised that we didn't get to go to, you know, the Iraq deployment. Um, but they, there was some like talk at the time, like, Oh, there's this, you know, Abu Sayyaf group and da, 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 da. We were doing this, planning for the in for indonesia and the philippines some of it materialized did a bunch of uh i did a bunch of jungle stuff mm. uh and then for a while i you know spent some time on a ship and we we're you know chasing down kids just came home oh. chasing down abu sayef and some other stuff so that was interesting and and in hindsight like it was kind of great because i had the I had the Kuwait deployment yeah, and then I had this deployment in the middle before yeah. everything was Iraq or Afghanistan. Right. So I finally, I, I did get the chance to, you know, go to some, some fun places that, yeah. you know, not, not necessarily all of it, not most of it wasn't combat, but we yeah. got to do Australia. I got to go to Thailand finally, oh, nice. uh, the Philippines, Malaysia, all these cool places. Um, so I got to do that, and I, you know, eventually I would get to Iraq or Afghanistan plenty. So it was yeah. nice, like <laughs> it was nice to just have that. And right. you know, like I said, things work out. But yeah, it was uh, Okinawa, which where you you guys had gone previous. That's right. Yeah, the one before that. So I think uh, 1999, I had 98.99 in there. 99. Um, yeah, got to do some great base. Trips. Great base, by the way. Like That's if you're. Yeah. gonna be stuck somewhere and you know we traveled a bunch from there yeah. so you kadena. know it is what it is. kadena that's kadena. right that's right yeah that's right oh man wow and then you get back and then you go do you screen right away or had you already screened did you know where you were going yeah yeah, yeah i right away right away screened when i came home um and then um i i wasn't able to screen the the prior two because you know, I was still getting my waiver jammed through the day. <laughs> so you still, had, you like, still had to pass a kidney stone. Oh, yeah, I, I still I had the kidney thing, and and actually this. So the screening test was a week after my kidney removal. Oh my gosh! And as as you know, like so that was in that was the year that my kidney got removed. I couldn't obviously couldn't take that test because you know my abdominal wall was cut <laughs> like a foot, oh, right? Oh. Like I, like so I couldn't. I couldn't laugh, let alone do a sit-up. Oh. So I screened after that deployment, um, which meant I had to wait till the following year. And and then I went, you know, I went to a training detachment uh, for a, a year, a little over a year, which was actually, it was actually great. You know, it was a lot of travel, but I got mm -hmm. to, you know, go to Shaw's and stuff like that. You got to go to Shaw's a lot. And, uh, <laughs> I remember you got, got to, to go, go to Shaw's a lot and you got to go there a little bit beforehand, right? Didn't you go to like wait at trade it or something? Like that's where saying? I, so yeah, when I was yeah. at, I, I was at trade it for that time and I was, uh, I would go, 
I mean, I would go there on all our trips that I would go there. I mean, I maybe went there more. I might've gone there more than six times between, you know, my That's time at good. team five and going to the, uh, yeah. you know, going to yeah. uh, the command. And right. uh, I was, you know, I was already, uh, they have this like hall of fame thing there, the metal mania thing. Oh, yeah. And, uh, before I even went to, you know, the command, uh, I was on this little hall of fame there. Um, so it, it like the metal mania board. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, so it, it, that actually didn't do me any favors when I was going through training. They're like, well, uh, what are you, you're already on this thing. Like how many times have you been here? Da, 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 da. Anyway, so it awesome. was, uh, it, it definitely helped though, uh, with the, with the training. <laughs> I'm sure it did. And I remember talking to you about it as you're going through, cause I'm at team two at the time, finished OCS yep. with team two. And then, uh, you're going through training. So we're back there in the same area general area of operations. Um, yep, yep. but remember our, Once remember again, our trip? neighbors, that's right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> neighbors together. And, uh, man, do you remember when we went to Shaw's though at team five, um, yeah. either you beat me or we tied. I oh, forget. Yeah. Remember it was like, uh, like you were good, like out of the gate, you know? Um, but I forget either you beat me or we well, tied. I remember that thing, whatever that was, but yep, I remember a competition yep. with you there. Cause I wasn't, I wasn't too much. I wasn't, a, wasn't a slouch on the pistol or the rifle. Um, yeah. but I remember us like being the last two on, on something. Yep. Yeah. And then I, I, so not long after that, Ken, uh, got mad at me <laughs> like for, you know, winning or being what? in the top two. And, uh, oh, so funny, you know, it was so, <laughs> it was so hilarious. Well, but to your point, you, you, you remind me of something. I actually, before I was in that platoon, uh, before I was in Delta platoon mm -hmm. and I was working in master at arms, ah. um, someone got hurt in, uh, it was like Andy stumps and Jason Lewis's platoon. Uh -huh. I forget which one that was. Yeah. Maybe it was Charlie or whatever, but they had an extra spot on a Shaw's trip. Oh, so, so you've been there I, already. I went to Shaw's as a non platoon, like master at arms worker. Nice. And so I actually had like kind of cheated again. Yeah. I got to go. You there. had a week on me at least, maybe two. I got, yeah. I got to go there before, uh, before our platoon went and then our platoon went. I'm like, Oh, who's this new guy? I'm like, nice. uh. <laughs> I don't think I knew that. Or if I did, I forgot. That's awesome. I, yeah. I mentioned it after the, after uh, the trip. <laughs> I don't think I it ever registered get, with me. Um, yeah. I didn't want to get hazed awesome. too bad for it. So. Oh, that's right. The hazing, <laughs> the hazing. Oh, there's something new article. Did you see the article in the paper Dude. yesterday or the paper, whatever it is. And they, what, what are they, they're making their, there was uh making buds students sing a song with the CS gas or whatever that was. And they're all like, Oh, hazing, it's too horrible. And I just, it was yesterday, yeah. right? I think I came out yesterday. I saw someone actually a coworker sent it to me and she was like, do you think this is abusive? And I go, yeah, <laughs> it's supposed to be. It's like, not even that bad. No, it's, like, it's supposed to be hard. If listen, it's supposed to be hard. And, and you don't understand like everyone who's being tear gassed right there is volunteering to be there. They can leave at any time. They can quit at any time. And you just want to have, whether it's, you know, the, the Rangers, the Green Berets, the Recon Marines, or the Navy SEAL teams, whatever. You want people who want to be there and won't quit no matter what. And that's one way of doing it. If I mean, has anyone ever quit over that, though? I mean, it's not even that no. bad. 
And I everybody know. does it. Remember, we did it in boot camp for the Navy. I think we had to go in like yeah. that chamber, right? And then they, you have your gas mask on, right? And then they yeah, take it the, off the gas, and then you like have to take it off. Or you 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 have to do it with it on first, make sure yep. to show you how it works, and then you take it off, and you have to stay in there for a certain amount of time, and then you come out, and you're just kind of like, you know, snots coming out of your mouth, whatever. It is. Oh yeah, you know. But it's I think like, everyone does that in every boot camp and every service. Just in this I, one, they make you like sing a song while you're doing it, maybe keep you there a little longer or something, but. That, I don't even remember it. It was, it was, it was so not even, it wasn't even to the level that I remember it being bad. It was just like, I remember there being like gas in the air and doing obstacle course or something. There was way harder stuff. Yeah. Along the way. Like everything was harder than that. Like, yeah, that was like, oh, I don't have to, I, I don't they have can't to even like, see me to yell at me right now. They're yelling at the group, you know, yeah, it's if just I like, lay on the ground, like screaming, <laughs> like, ah, like, you know, just snotting everywhere. They're, they're not going to be mad at me. It's kind of <laughs> easy. It's such a weird thing, but it just goes to show, you know, clicks, you know, these different news organizations are looking for clicks or looking to stir things up or whatever. Like well, that's a nothing. And you, and you have the experts weighing in like, Oh, I think this is abusive and oh, this is not right. And like, like you said, I mean, they're, they're a thousand miles away with their pencil mm-hmm. trying to decide how to, how to make a seal. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't know. You can't, as you've said before, you can't mass produce these guys. That's right. That's right. One of the soft truths right there, special operations forces truth, mm-hmm. um, man. And so you may get through, uh, you get through that training at your next command on the East coast. And, uh, how long is it before you deploy? Right away. Like right I away. finished, I finished, uh, finished that training and, uh, deployed a couple of weeks later. Oh, a couple of weeks. Uh, wow. Cause they were already, over they're already gone okay so, so did you go to afghanistan or iraq was it that already? was iraq yeah yep so they went iraq right focused. away yep went right over there um moved into a room with my team leader and it was i mean talk about intimidated like fresh out of that training and now i'm you know with with my new team and my new team leader and it was uh it was pretty amazing and then uh yeah i just uh we did that. So it would have probably been um, that, that about two thirds of a deployment because they had already gone. Mm-hmm. Came back from that, and uh, such a funny story. The two new guys in our little six man team, you know, one of the guys was bigger and stronger, so to speak. And then there was me, and uh, my team leader just goes, looks at the big guy, like, you are a breacher and you're a lead climber. <laughs> and uh nice. and then i was like so that's how i became a you know a lead climber on my little team and you know in in but you know not to mention all the awesome deployments but i got to do some like pretty cool like yeah big wall climbs and mountaineering trips and you know and like really dive into cold weather stuff and like it was just you know it was just pretty incredible when, so, when did you go on your like uh when did you start doing that kind of training so you go to, you're on this first deployment what are your takeaways yeah. from being uh, essentially a new guy at that command <sighs> um what do you come back with from that you guys uh, just doing direct action missions every yep. night type of a thing and uh what are you yep. taking away from that that time downrange? yeah just like um i thought i was really you know i was going through you know my green team i was good shot good at cqb good at most everything and then just when i got over there i'm like whoa like the speed at which 
things happened yeah. on target was just like next level. And, uh, and it was, you know, it was, uh, it was hard to get used to cause I didn't do the workup mm. like with the, right. you know, if I fast forward to the next workup when mm. I deployed with my group and you know how quickly we could take down a building, yeah. right. Just because you're doing, you know, at that team without getting too specific, you're doing CQB four or five days a week, mm-hmm. right? You at minimum three and you're doing like long CQB training, like as a group and you're doing day runs, night runs, all sorts of stuff. And you get to where, like you get to where you're just looking at your teammate by night vision and you can tell who it is by, you know, what they're wearing and how they're standing and how they look. And you can tell if they're tired or if they're, you know, or if they're turned on, you can tell if they're going to go right or left. I mean, you just have that. You earn that through those hours and hours of doing that training. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was the biggest difference between the first and the second one, because that first deployment, I didn't get to like get wrapped into it, so to speak. And then the second one, you know, I did the whole workup and did all the CQB and it was much different because like now I was being brought along at that pace, yeah. so to speak. Man. And when was your first IED hit? Uh, I, the first one would have been, oh, it was uh, in Iraq and it was actually on a riverbank. Oh, wow. So, yeah, we were on uh, one of the boats doing a boat insert. Nice. And they had put IEDs on riverbanks. Um, and I didn't, I, didn't, uh, I didn't get actually any shrapnel or anything from that one, but it was, like, pretty close to our boat. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Dang. And then. So they were remote detonated. They were watching and just waiting until you got close enough type of a thing. Yep. And then I was in a. Uh, in, a, in Afghanistan, I was in a, I was working with the Canadians or something, and I was in one of their troop carriers mm. in the Helmand, and we rolled over an IED, and it blew up between mine and the next one. Wow. And it was two anti-tank mines. Oh. So very lucky uh, with that one. I, no injury, but like pretty close to the... <laughs> It definitely rang my bell. Yeah. And then the, the third one was the houseborn one I had mentioned. Previously. Wow. So you got the <laughs> trifecta, you got maritime, you got the road and you got the house. Like, dang. I don't know if it's lucky or what, but like, wow. some would say, <laughs> yeah. 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 Gosh, that is incredible. And then where were you? Um, you had a lot of close calls, like you mentioned earlier than nine lives. Um, and I remember a story that either you told me or somebody else may have, as well of entering that room and doing something different. You don't have to get into the, the tactics exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, um, uh, doing something different than you would have normally done and yep. then not being able to explain why you did something different. Cause nine out of 10 times or almost a hundred percent of the time you would have done this one thing, yep. but you did something different and that there was a person in that room, I think barricaded maybe with an AK or PKM or something and, yep. uh, and lit up exactly where you would have gone had would've you done. Been what you had been trained to do or what you would have done, uh, on all these other different occasions. Uh, What was that? 
that yeah so that was in iraq and that was the that was super bowl sunday uh 2008 and that was i did the different thing and um somehow like find myself in this room in a barricaded shooter who's you know less than i mean a few yards from me and he's just spraying spraying the wall um thankfully you know i was a moving target and uh, he didn't shoot me and i you know got him before he could uh, before he could get me and uh yeah it was like after that so after that i I came out of the room and my buddy saw me on nods because I was patting myself down because essentially we were in a small room. I shot a magazine, he shot a magazine and somehow (laughs) I didn't get hit. But the wall that I was by had been just riddled with, it was like Pulp Fiction, right? So there was no, there's holes all over this wall. Somehow I didn't get hit. And to make matters, you know, worse or better, however you look at it, he was wearing a, a suicide vest that oh. he had clacked off and it, the, it failed to detonate. No way. I did in not a know small, that part. In a small room. So I'm like, oh. I'm like, Dude. you know, very like, I'm riding high. Yeah. I'm like, whoa. Like, I'm just kind of like, you know, that's crazy. I, I pat myself down. Someone like jumps on me and pats me down thinking like they had to put a tourniquet on me. Yeah because there was so much gunfire in this small room and they're like, wow. there's no way, no way, you know, right. Fro didn't get hit. I'm yeah. like, I'm fine. Get off me. I'm fine. Wow. So, uh, I get up, you know, we find out that this guy, you know, he was the leader, whatever Al Qaeda guy. And, uh, it was a very bittersweet night for me because like five minutes later in a compound or a, a series of buildings, just, you know, a hundred yards away, four of my teammates got shot, two of them got killed. So, and we spent like, we spent like most of our, most of that night just trying to like fight our way into that compound, you know, retrieve wounded, retrieve two dead guys, two dead teammates, like a Nate. And, uh, I mean, I literally shot all my ammo that night, which, you know, and through my, through two grenades so i like ran out of grenades and bullets so it was crazy uh and that literally three nights later i got blown up by the houseborn ied so had my share like a week there that was pretty rough (laughs) yeah what uh Uh, god what did you guys do with the uh so you have this person in a corner of a room did he have an ak or pk what did he end up having on him the guy that uh was barricaded the well, the guy that was yeah. barricaded in my room had an AK. Yeah, an AK. Uh, and then the other room had sandbagged PK. Okay. So okay. there's not a lot of CQB you can do there. Like there's not not a lot of tactics that'll you know that'll survive that. So yeah. definitely we're waiting. What did you do when you have this guy now who is uh, has an S vest on? Um, you blow him in place, or what do you what, what what do you like do with that guy that's in in there? Yeah, they they're like they're looking and you know, they're like, well, the EOD looked at, you know, the vest and such, and they dealt with the vest and, uh, the guy, you know, they, I think, I don't remember for sure. Um, I know they rendered the vest safe because 
needed to get like photos and such yeah, yeah. Uh, on the you know PID um, to you know, capture kill mission. So make sure we know who was there. But uh, yeah, yeah, which I'm clearly curious. I, man, those EOD guys, man, incredible. Oh yeah, you know, oh, golly, yeah. like I, I wouldn't be surprised if you just blew that person in place. You know, like hey, well, no, the bit. Well, the whole building got leveled. Yeah, the whole building it. got leveled. Well, that makes yeah. sense now uh, because there was also. <laughs> There were there was built in that building. There were, you know, a lot of explosives and bomb mm-hmm. making materials. And they're like, "Hey, let's just level this building." Yeah. So, and I think uh, that was done with an aircraft, actually. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, I got it. Anyway, yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> so that was yeah. Life uh, Seven, and then yeah. the next one was Life Eight, and then yeah. that was the last. That was your la- was last deployment, right there. That was my last deployment, and I found out. You know, I was working up to go on a deployment in uh-huh. 09 and basically a couple of months before that, they said I couldn't go. So it was, uh, and right, you know, right when I found out that I couldn't deploy anymore, I did like one last kind of training thing where I was, uh, doing sniper overwatch on a little bird and, uh, one of my shell casings got stuck behind one of the joysticks of the little bird and it almost crashed. So I'm already, I'm already told that I have to get out, but I'm going to do some training with the group just as a, Mm -hmm. it was going to be my last thing I was going to do. Bro, you know, better than this. That's like the last ski run of the day. It's like the resort's closing at four. It's three 45. Like the lift line's still open. You're like, let's just do one more. One more, yeah. One more, and then it almost crashed. And then at that point, my boss was like, "You know, hang it up, dude." Yeah, like that—that <laughs> that was for sure the last, the last of them. Oh, so, how did they get it out of there? Did they would like? Well, so I'm sitting on the outside, yeah. you know, on the on the pods, which uh-huh. look like picnic tables. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, we're a couple hundred feet off the ground, and then it starts to kind of yeah. waver. And then it starts to go auger in nose oh. first oh. into the ground. And I I'm sitting on the outside holding on for dear life. Cause they're, you know, you're kind of strapped. You're sitting mm-hmm. on a chair with a lat, like a lanyard. Mm-hmm. So I'm holding on, like I'm riding a horse in a rodeo. Cause it's going like this. Oh and then it goes God. down and I look in and both of the pilots had let go of all controls and they're bracing for impact. That's not good. And I'm like, this is not good. This is how I, <laughs> This is how I, and so I'm, I only have a few seconds to decide, like, am I going to try and jump off this or do I get inside? Like, I don't know what to do. And then at the last second, one of the guys, one of the pilots gives it a last try and just does like a full, you know, full on deadlift and bends the shell casing and the bird just kind of brings it like pops up and they go, they land at the, you know, land at the ball field or whatever. And they're like, Hey, that like, we're grounded for the day and training has ceased. And I'm like, good. Uh, wow. So anyway, that, that was the last crazy. Thing. What happened to that casing? I don't, I don't know. I think he kept it. Yeah. I think he yeah, kept it. Probably... Uh, I would have liked it, but <laughs> yeah. anyway. Oh my gosh. That's insanity. Yeah. yeah. My, and my parents were, I was, you know, that was in Virginia beach. My parents were at my house visiting us and, you know, they had no idea. I come home and I'm just like, oof, I need a beer. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Yeah, or two or three. Or, yeah, yeah or a whiskey. Yeah. Oh, man, that is wild. So on all those de- deployments, when I mean, you're there in that that heyday period, um, uh, what else stands out to you? Like those ones right there. Do you think about that often? Yeah. No, I, I think about that. Um, I, you know, I try, you know, we remember all the, we remember the good times, but then I try to remind myself of the, like when I, when I got out and I was missing it, I try to remember like, okay, so I missed this, but, uh, I'm also home for Christmas and Thanksgiving, or I'm not missing my son's birthday again or or whatever. So I try to balance it, uh, between, you know, yeah, it was good while it lasted, but I have to, it's good to remember it once in a while, but you gotta, you know, try to live life through the windshield, not the rear view. So, um, that stands out and just, just the, the training and the operating with, you know, guys much better than me and, you know, being, you know, being, you know, amongst those, those teammates and being there at that time and just, just our, you know, our careers in general, our timing, right? There's so many, there's so many great guys who who served and worked really hard in the 80s and 90s and, you know, didn't get to, you know, do the job. So, uh, you know, I feel, I feel very blessed, um, you know, for, for being able to serve while I was. Yeah. Oh, man. And during that time frame, also, you get to go and climb El Cap. You do Aconcagua, right? Wasn't there an Aconcagua trip in there that I remember? Yeah, um, we did. In Denali. Denali. Man, like that's a solid run. You're doing it with Mark Twight up there, right? Like, aren't you doing yeah. some crazy climbs with crazy him? Stuff. I mean, crazy the pictures stuff. of you on El Cap, remember the pictures of you on, uh, on like El Cap? Like, that's serious. You're sleeping up there. Oh, yeah. Like, no, you're doing I, the full-on deal. The full, the full deal. Like, we... I think like, you know, I got told I was going to be a lead climber. Okay, cool. I can do pull-ups. That's what I thought. Like, <laughs> I, I know how to do pull-ups. I can figure this out. So I get, you know, we go on a, uh, a teammate of mine, Keith Robinson, um, who would later die. Uh, he was just, he was a bulldog and he's like, we're going to do this trip. We're going to do that trip. And he'd always come up with a great way to sell it and a great way to go do it. And we, he had decided we're going to climb El Cap. And so I did like a four day rock climbing trip to Red Rocks in Las Vegas. Of course. And then I do like a, a four day climbing trip elsewhere. So I have like eight actual days of rock climbing <laughs> in, under my belt before day one on El Cap. That is insane. And, insane. And granted, so we had like, we had, we had uh, three two man teams uh, that went out. Mm-hmm. Um, so three teams of two and each team was going to have a guide. And as we, we did two days of practicing aid climbing yeah. and the guide that was going to lead me and my climbing partner quit. Cause he was like, there's no way I'm going up El Cap. These guys are not professional climbers. They're just figuring it out as they go. So we had to condense into two, three man teams. Okay. So we condensed into two, three man teams. And uh, our three-man team climbed. The route was called, or is called the Tangerine Trip. So we took turns. You took turns leading, and then you someone follows and cleans up the, the protection pieces. Mm-hmm. And then another person ascends a line and starts hauling up the, the haul bags. So we had that kind of 
dialed and we just took turns leading and cleaning and hauling, leading and cleaning and hauling. And there was like, I think there was one pitch on that route that was super, super hard that the guide did. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the pitches were done by, were done by us and it was all aid climbing. Um, and like the first night I was like 700 feet off the ground on a portal ledge swinging like four feet away from the wall. Cause it was more than vertical. So my ledge wasn't even on the wall. I'm wow. swinging off the side. Oh, did you sleep? I slept, but I, w- cause I was so exhausted. I'm just so, you're just so wiped out. Dude. So I slept in my sit harness on a portal ledge, but on an anchor that I built. Right. So that is like, that's a whole, like everything you do up there is like, consequential so if i'm handing a waddle if i'm just going to hand a water bottle to someone yeah like i have two hands on it i wait till they have two hands on it Mm -hmm. then i let go and then he slowly pulls it over because otherwise it's going to fall you know a thousand feet or more right it's just it's just gnarly and i have such a great like such a great respect for you know people that can do that because it is just to me that's that's scary very scary. And how many days did it take to get up there? So we summited on the third day. Third day. Okay. Um, so so two, two nights. Two nights on the side and then the third night at the top. Nice. That must and be that pretty was, cool feeling up there. That was like sleep like none other. Like back on. And I like I could barely walk because for three days I hadn't stood wow. other than on like a atria. Right. Yeah. So it was a trip. That is crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. Was that the first one? Or did you do uh, Aconcagua next and then Denali? Or what was that? We did El Cap first, yeah. uh, 2007. And then we all kind of agreed, like, we checked the box on the big wall thing. We don't really need to do that too often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> and then we all kind of like, oh, let's look at the seven summits or a couple of them. So mm-hmm. the next trip was uh, Denali. And we did uh, Denali with Mark Twight, yeah. uh, a Denali and climbing legend, obviously. Yeah, um, it's right down here in, in Salt Lake. Yeah, no, uh, he's, uh, yeah, it was quite, uh, I'd worked with him before, you know, with through a, in a Jim Jones capacity, uh-huh. you know, when he had come out and taught, you know. 300, fitness. baby. Yep, yep. So we did the fitness thing and then we did a climbing trip with him and that was like, I mean, that was epic. Yeah. Uh, and I much, I much prefer mountaineering over like rock climbing yeah, per se. Right. Um, so that was really cool. Uh, we, did you guys we get weather up, up there? I forget. Do you guys get weather up there? You we did. We, yeah, we had, uh, so my, we had split up into two groups cause we were acclimating at different paces. Uh-huh. So I got to go up with the first group and we summited from 14,000. So from 14,000, we we blasted past the high camp, summited, came back down in a 20-hour day, wow. um, just slogging. And uh, two days later, Mark led the other group up, and wow. two of those two of those guys summited. So Mark summited twice in like four days, which is pretty epic. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh man. Us, as you know, like we're always training with the best, so we could be shooting with the best or parachuting with the best or climbing with the best and they're they're far better at that thing than what we do but we're mm-hmm. kind of jacks of all trades so we're just doing our best to to keep up and learn from people who are better than us so 
Yeah, Man. it was, that was insane. Um, there at the end, we had weather at the end where we had like a blizzard after summiting. We're at 14,000 feet and we couldn't, we couldn't go back down cause it was a white out. So we spent like, you're stuck in your tent for like mm-hmm. two days, solid yeah. two days. And, uh, Finally, there was a break in the weather, but we knew more weather was coming in. It was overcast, blowing a little bit, and yeah. we just decided to break camp. And we skied down through a light blizzard just by, we couldn't, I could barely see the guy in front of me on the rope. Uh, but the, the navigator was just um, following GPS breadcum, yeah. breadcrumbs. Yeah. Almost like a, it was almost like a dive yeah. where you're following oh. your attack board. Oh yeah. And I got stuck in the back cause my, my rope team, like there was like two people, three people on my rope team who had like barely ever skied before. So the entire way down I'm hop turning or snow plowing to help slow the, like a four man rope team down. Cause they're just kind of snow plowing so and I'm sitting there like, skiing with a load on my back just trying to get back and we we pulled up at the at the base camp and uh, there was a break in the weather everyone else was in tents who was still at the base camp trying to get out mm-hmm. but we had just pulled in so we got on the first plane out of there and uh yeah Dude. made it back to talkeetna and then drove to anchorage <laughs> so awesome that's a pretty solid run it was solid yeah yeah that's a pretty no solid regrets. run man and then after you, uh, and after you get, uh, medically retired, um, I mean, what a run you had. Incredible. Uh, you get out, you do a little, little, uh, you go into, uh, into business with happy, but I forget if there's, uh, the, the, the Shaw's Rodney stuff before that. That was while I that was, was working. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Cause it was like a side and, gig. Yeah. Cause we had Rodney come out into my, I think my OIC platoon. And, yep. uh, and so you guys come out and that was awesome. And with my platoon and, and, uh, we got to shoot and, uh, had a great time. That was awesome. We got to, we got to yeah. shoot together again, which was, which was fantastic. Yeah. Had a little, uh, little, did a little guest instructor action. Yep. For sure. That was awesome. And, uh, yeah, Rodney did my, the, the two, two, six that I love, uh, that I still have to, well, obviously I still have it, but, um, I still shoot to this day. I mean, he did that, uh, stipple to grip. He did the sights. Yep. He did the, uh, dropped in the, uh, Oh, the short action reset trigger in there. Short reset. Yeah, short, yeah exactly. Um, but that was awesome. I love that thing. I, I, I think that's a, that's a yeah. fantastic pistol that he he worked on for me. Um, yeah. But uh, so that was awesome. Got to do that. And then uh, you and Happy build up uh, Blue Core, which is still going strong, right, in yep. uh, in Denver. So if anybody's out there in Denver, stop by Blue Core and check out what they have going on. Still doing classes out there, an awesome range, gun store. That's a, that was yep. a, a great place. I went there a couple times. Yep. Thank you. Yeah, it was good. I, I did that for, you know, 2010 to 2014. Um, then I kind of stepped down from the day to day to go be the CEO at strong first. Yeah. And you yeah. met Pavel, um, during your time at, uh, on the East coast. Yep. Okay. Yep. When was your first and, time seeing a kettlebell? Cause I think mine was Uzbekistan. I can't be sure. But it might have been Uzbekistan. Yeah. yeah. And I was kind of yeah. like, what are these things? And that's really like all they had. They had that. And like a pull-up bar and that yep. was it, but they had a bunch of kettlebells. And I think that's the first time that I used them, saw them, um, you know, realized what they were for. Uh, and then they caught on a little later, but, uh, but you got to start doing the kettlebell stuff while you were on the East coast. Yep. So I, uh, yeah, a close friend of mine, 
uh, was training with kettlebells and the uh, guy's name is John Foz. He's also dead. Uh, he died in extortion, but uh, he was doing kettlebells and we were really close friends. And I'm like, what is that? You're going to, that seems kind of ridiculous. And I just kind of, I don't know. I, I early internet forums, I was like reading about them. Then I bought a book, I bought a kettlebell and I just went all in on it. And, you know, I used that as uh, my main, my main training tool, swings and get ups yeah. and cleans and presses. And I just, you know, I just loved it because it was like I could work out at home. It took up no mm-hmm. room, took very little time. I could get strength and cardio at the same time. Like it was just great. And I just got all into it. And later on, you know, I met Pavel when he came to the team, uh, teaching us how to use kettlebells. Um, not long after that, I went and got certified by him uh, as a kettlebell instructor. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, kind of fast forward to 2014, he was uh, looking for a, a new CEO for his company. And I threw my name into the hat, and went through that whole process and went and did that for a few years. And it was, you know, it was awesome. As I mentioned, it was really fun. You know, went from firearms to fitness, two things I've always, you yeah. know, been passionate about and got to do that for a living for a while. It was really cool. Yeah, I had the Pavel books and I got all of them. And then the ones that came out while you were there, you sent me those. And then yep. you had me on, what was that uh, that workout that you had me doing? Simple and Sinister. That's it. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. That's a great workout. People can yeah, just Google it. It'll pop right up, I'm, I'm sure. Um, but that's a good one. I forget what, what it's, uh, it's swings and then and get-ups, get right? Ups. Yeah. Yep. Going back and forth. And, like, it's legit. You got to you use a little stopwatch, whatever, and uh, yep. and and get after it. But it's it's good. No excuses. Like, that's a good one because it's it, 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 economy of your time. You can get, yep. it, you, you get it done, uh, especially if you're doing get-ups properly. Um, yep. Yeah, that's cool. That was, that's an awesome one. Yeah. And I, I think like I started to use that, like use those, use those, like those, use that programmer. Doing like a lot of swings, yeah. uh, a lot of kettlebell swings, and I was doing uh, get-ups or clean and presses. And I got, I got real strong without gaining any mass. Uh, and, uh, and it built my engine really well. So yeah. I was, you know, obviously I was walking around in the desert at night with body armor, which helped me like for the loads on yeah. Benali. But it also just walking uphill, um, doing those swings just really get you in shape for the mountains. Yeah. Um, and then I would also, I still have it, but I had this old like steel belted radial Humvee tire that I would just like in Virginia beach training up for, uh, both Denali and Aconcagua, I would just go out and pull a tire for three hours. I remember that. Like, oh my gosh. Not... I remember you telling me about that. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that really, that, I call it my horizontal hill simulator. Horizontal it, hill simulator. It, it feels yes. like you're walking uphill when you're pulling a tire. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I think you had me on that at, right as I was getting out and, um, and I was doing that in boxing. So I was going downtown to, uh, the, what city boxing and, um, yeah. in, uh, in San Diego, I was boxing and then doing that, that workout, which was, which was cool, like, which was, was awesome and great for, great for hunters going to the mountains, you know, grab that kettlebell and, and get after it. Um, that's uh, still a great and program. Who's the, uh, is, who's the CEO now? Do you know who the, the CEO is? Did Pavel take it back over? Did they find... Did they get somebody else? Yeah. 
Oh, I'm losing you. There you go. You're back. Oh, sorry. There you go. Well, no. Uh, is, uh, is, is, did Pavel take back over a CEO or did they find, get somebody else or what's the, what is strong first looking like right now? Yeah, that, that I, uh, let's see. I was, oh, no. went to work for the N N NRA. So I left that, went to work for the NRA and he went back being the CEO when I okay. left. Got it. Got it. But they're still, uh, they're still out there and going strong. Instructor. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Oh man. Our internet connection is not the greatest right now, but, uh, let's see if we can push, let's see if we get it back. But, uh, so doing that, then, uh, NRA where we got to work together for a little bit and, yep. uh, you did that for a couple of years, uh, as I'm writing the books and all that stuff. And then you transition out of that. And when did, when did the defy come on, on the scene? Like, when did you become aware of defy? How long have they been along? Been, been there and what's the what's the story behind getting involved with defy yeah so i i first met uh one of the founders of defy uh in 2011 when i did a shooting experience for ypo okay in in denver uh bo uh bo who's uh, one of the founders in the audience and he was he was like kind of learned that it was Afterwards, so I ended up. Uh, uh, he was like, "Well, that's kind of messed up. Like, if I ever get the opportunity to hire a veteran, I'm going to hire one." So, uh, Defy. Uh, a few years after that, for um, me a job. So, you know, he put his money where his mouth was, or his money where his mouth is. So, been working there since 2020. Um, at first, it, you know, consulting, and then in operations and marketing, just got my hands you know, got my hands dirty on a lot of different things, just learning, you know, yeah. one thing, one thing you learn in the, in the SEAL teams is how to learn things quickly. Yeah. So that's been uh, work ethic and being able to quickly change and learn something new and like learn on the fly has served me pretty well. So like uh, been, climbing El Cap after eight days of, with eight yep. days of climbing experience. <laughs> yep, exactly. It, it's a, a theme of my life has been steep learning curves. Amazing. So been doing that since. And we have, uh, it was founded by, you know, Bo, Megan, and TD, uh, Terrell Davis, the former Denver Bronco, okay. uh, Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP, Hall of Famer. He first tried uh, CBD products in 2017. And for the first time in many, many years, he could work out without pain. Uh, and then he decided, uh, along with Bo and Megan, they were going to start a CBD company. So Defy started as a CBD company, and we've done some product extensions since then. You know, we've added an alkaline water, which I've been sipping, and yeah. then uh, we have an energy drink as well. So like a very, a lightly caffeinated, very low calorie uh, energy drink, kind of a, a pre-workout, but it's, uh, you know, it's a sports drink. It's not like a a carbonated energy drink so you can reseal it and drink it throughout the day and it's a very healthy uh, alternative to some of these high caffeinated uh, energy drinks so we are in you know we've grown pretty quickly uh, our first our first real big purchase order from a, a buyer was in uh, april of 2021 mm -hmm. and we've grown from we've grown from that point to uh 11,000 stores by, by July of 2022. So really in, in a year, uh, just over a year, we've grown into 11,000 stores with more coming. So no, I'm kidding. 
that has been, you know, a great experience to just, you know, do a different, you know, be on a new team, a small team, um, working on learning something new and just growing into that, uh, growing into that role and now just managing uh, operations, right? So how we produce product and where it gets warehoused and how we fulfill orders and things like that. Uh, in addition to, you know, I help with sales, I help with marketing and product development and all that with the, with our team being so small. I mean, we're yeah. still kind of a startup. Yeah. Um, everyone wears lots of hats, like a, like a seal platoon. Nice, man. Well, so what's the deal with alkaline water? What's the, the deal behind that? Yeah. So our, al- there's a lot of different alkaline waters out there, right? Uh, Essentia is being like probably one of the most recognizable brands. Uh, but you know, the idea, you know, between what we eat and things, our pH is going to stay what it is. But okay. if you balance it with some alkaline water, it's easier to maintain that kind of pH level in your body. Okay. Got it. And, so and what, yeah. What else do you have out there right now? So you have the alkaline water, you have, you have the, 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 the protein, you have the energy drink, you have, uh, how many products are there now? Mostly we have three beverages. We have the alkaline water and a, of all proceeds go back to different charities. Uh, one of which is the disabled American veterans. Um, and then we have the boost, which is our lightly caffeinated energy drink. Okay. Earlier, and we have a. Oops, lost you. There you go. You're back. Yeah. I'm sorry. I no, don't know. No. What the, it's probably maybe my here. kids are playing. Maybe my kids are playing video games now that they're home. Oh yeah, it could be ours too. It's that's how Sucking the bandwidth. That's right. Sucking the bandwidth away. That's right. So the third one, uh, so after boost is CBD, CBD a okay. CBD drink. Yep. Okay. And that's and when that's you're CBD. supposed to take before bed. Yep. Or after a hard workout, okay. uh, it's called recover for a reason. So it's nice. really good on inflammation. And we also have like some CBD gummies and some CBD drops that, okay. you know, help you to relax and help you with your, uh, I, I guess for me, you know, I love vacation. Mm. So CBD has been very helpful. And that's one thing, uh, one thing that TD and I have in common is like, you don't leave the NFL like feeling better than when you got there. Yeah. Kind of like the seal teams, right? You kind of get, you kind of get carted off a little yeah. bit. Um, so being able to like, you know, manage pain, uh, and inflammation with CBD is yeah. for me, it's been a better solution than all the meds. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure, um, man, that is wild. And is that the only thing that you're doing these days? Or are you still doing something else as well? Or is this full-time defy? It's a full-time job for sure. Um, I do, I do some speaking on the side okay. uh, as a side gig. So I work for a speaker's bureau now and I go do presentations on, you know, teamwork and leadership and overcoming fear or overcoming challenges. So nice. I'll do that as it presents itself. Got it. What's uh, what speaker's bureau is it? AEI. AEI. Yep. Okay. I'll send you, I'll send you a link. Uh, AEI speaker's bureau. Nice. Yep. So I, I do that from time to time as well. And it's, uh, you know, I really enjoy the opportunity to just share some of the things I've learned, you know, yeah. whether it's, leadership or teamwork or overcoming a fear or overcoming a challenge and like really 
Like I don't claim to have it figured out, but I know, Hey, this worked for me and I've had these experiences. Um, you know, user experience may vary, but, uh, give it a try. (laughs) Man, that is awesome. That is awesome. And it's defy.com. Is that where people go? Yeah, www.drinkdefy.com. Drinkdefy.com. Awesome. Yep. Awesome. Well, hopefully I'm going to be needing it soon as I get back on uh, on the workout regimen here. Um, did you have any hunts planned this year? You know, I've kind of shut the hunting down a little bit just as the kids have gotten older. Uh, if I'm going to do something on the weekend, it's going to be with them. Yeah. So, we'll, you know, I'll go hunting with my son. Um you know, we'll probably do a deer hunt here in, in Nebraska. Nice. Uh, we'll go do some pheasant hunting, which he's really yeah. good at because he's on cool. the trap shooting team. That is pretty and, cool. I love that there are still trap yeah. shooting teams, ski shooting teams, sporting collect web teams out there. At like, school. That's, and that's that is at school. awesome. That is fantastic. Yeah, there used yeah, to be one here in Park City till not too long ago. I was talking to somebody about it recently. I don't know if it still exists or not, but uh, not long ago it did. But that is pretty cool. That gives, that gives me a little bit of hope. Yep. No, it's great. It's great to be in, in middle America and doing that. So, um, quick, uh, very quickly before I forget, I, I have to run at four. So you I do have it. three minutes. You do yeah. it. You do it. And, the, uh, uh, man, thank you so much for taking this time. It's so dude, great I could, to hang with you. I could talk you. for hours. I could talk for hours. Sorry. It took so long. No, it's, busy. Dude, <laughs> it's, I love it. And thank you for doing this. And, uh, yeah, congratulations on everything you guys have going on. I love keeping up with you guys, uh, seeing the kids growing up on Instagram and all that stuff. I can't believe how old everybody is. Um, but, uh, please give my best to the family and, you guys pass through this, uh, this winter at any given point, let's make sure and link up, but, uh, man, thank you for everything, everything you've given to the nation, obviously. And, uh, your friendship over all these years, um, that means the world to me and, uh, man, reach out if you need anything. Likewise, bro. Uh, I will, uh, I'll send you some samples and, uh, I just echo, echo you and say, thanks for, you know, the friendship and everything you've done for me. And, uh, Thanks for your service and best to the family. Sounds good, brother. Thank you for everything. And take care and we'll see you soon. Yes, sir. All right, buddy. See you. Bye. November 11th is Veterans Day, but at Navy Federal Credit Union, every day is Veterans Day. I've been a member since 1996, right after boot camp and right before I went to BUDS or SEAL training. Navy Federal Credit Union is for active duty veteran DOD employees and their families. They offer resources like the VA Loans Hub and Best Cities After Service. They offer veteran employment assistance partnerships with nonprofits like The Mission Continues. They're a top VA home loan lender. They offer personal finance counseling. They offer 24-7 member service and are a growing community of over 1.8 million veterans just like you. Learn more at NavyFederal.org slash veterans. Insured by NCUA, an equal housing lender. Thank you so much to Six Hour for jumping right on board out of the gate to make this podcast possible. Obviously, I am a huge SIG fan, having carried the P226 on every deployment downrange in the SEAL teams. Uh, But SIG was a supporter. They were friends well before uh, I was a New York Times bestselling author, uh, well before I even had an Instagram account or any social media presence whatsoever. So thank you guys all so much. Uh, Ron, Tom, Jason, everybody at SIG who gets up every day and continues to crush it 
and lead the way. SIG is always adapting. They're always at the forefront, whether it is firearms for citizens, whether it's firearms for our military, ammo, suppressors, optics, training, fire control units. They are doing it all, and they are always pushing, pushing that envelope and trying to do it better each and every day through innovation and adaptation they crush so thank you so much for that friendship and support uh it will never be forgotten if you love america then black rifle coffee company has you covered for the holidays go to blackriflecoffee.com check out all the gear merch apparel and coffee roasting equipment once again, blackriflecoffee.com. I am a member of their exclusive coffee club, and I also get this big bag right here of Silencer Smooth delivered every month. You can go click on your favorite roast and set your schedule for delivery, and then bam, there it is on the front doorstep every single month. It is absolutely awesome. Go to blackriflecoffee.com, veteran-founded, veteran-run. Go check them out, blackriflecoffee.com. Welcome to the gear highlight portion of the Danger Close podcast. First off, thank you, Nick Norris over at ProTech. Awesome shirt. Love what you guys are doing with those clean supplements. And I uh, can't wait to have you on the podcast soon. So ProTech.com, check them out. Look at this desk. Man, badassworkbench.com. And that's badass-workbench. Um, they built this thing, drove it all the way out here. And this thing is solid. I absolutely love this thing. So check out the website. They have a lot more uh, offerings on there than just this. So be sure and check them out. Aries Watches, Matt Graham, who's on the podcast not too long ago. Can't go wrong with an Aries. Love this thing. And Gators, these right here are the Deltas. And the Deltas, man, these things are a newer model and very cool. I've been wearing Gators since 1997, 1998, got my first pair at a Harley dealer in San Diego when I was at SEAL Team 5, and there they are, the Deltas right there. Bam, love them. And uh, yeah, Gators are with me on every deployment. I wore them in my cameo in episode three of the Terminal List, and Chris Pratt wears them throughout the season as well. So uh, check out Gators.com. Look at this right here. Three Rangers single barrel whiskey rye right here. Uh, Rangers lead the way. Uh, Clay, thank you so much for sending this out. I sincerely appreciate it. And I'm going to read this here from the side. Proceeds from this and every Three Rangers purchase directly supports the Three Rangers Foundation, a nonprofit created by veterans for veterans past, present, and future. Read the full story at threerangers.com. You can also go to Three Rangers Foundation. Org. Veteran owned and operated. Uh, awesome. Absolutely love it. Cannot wait to crack this bottle. So thank you guys. Appreciate it. Streamlight. Look at this thing. This is from the Stinger series. I have quite a few of these. I think I got my first one back in 20, I want to say 17 or 18. And usually I don't like flashlights that you have to plug in because I forget and then I go grab it and it doesn't work. But uh, this is so good that uh, one, I remember to plug it in when I need to. It lasts a long time, and I have multiple stingers around the house and the cars, and this thing is just a bright light. And they're, I mean, they're, they're fairly pricey, but they won't break the bank like some others uh, might, and they're, are, they are sturdy. And anyway, I'm a fan. So uh, Streamlight right there, their Stinger series, and this one is the uh, LEDHL. 
Bam. Black Rifle Coffee Company, right there. Of course, I am a big fan. Uh, once again, Chris Pratt wore the shirt in the show. I drink it every morning. You can go to my website and get my revenge blend on there. And of course, they have more than just coffee. This is a Yeti mug, and they have a whole bunch of other stuff out there as well. Great group of people over there at Black Rifle Coffee Company. These, look at these. Man, Jocko, Pete Roberts, Origin. Check out what they have going on. I think if you put in Origin, Origin Main, I think they both, uh, everything pops up and populates the website. They have so many great things going on over there. And these are the Delta 68s. Why Delta 68s? Well, if you have seen some pictures of SEALs in Vietnam, you may have noticed that you guys are wearing jeans. So uh, as a tribute, as a hat tip to the Mekong Delta uh, right here, the Delta 68s from Origin made in the USA. So awesome. Thank you guys. Really appreciate that. And this right here, this is pretty cool. So this is from a guy, James S-T-E-J-S-K-A-L. Snake Eater Chronicles, A Question of Time. This right here, Special Forces Berlin, Clandestine Cold War Operations, 1956 to 1990. And uh, he served for 23 years in the Special Forces, two tours in Berlin, retiring as a Chief Warrant Officer for and then served 13 years with the CIA as a senior operations officer in Africa, Europe, and Asia. Now a military historian and archaeologist, conflict archaeologist. So very cool. Thank you for sending these along. Sincerely appreciated. Um, here we go. Brain Treatment Foundation. Go to braintreatmentfoundation.com. Check out what they have going on over there. And I know so many guys who have uh, gone to the Brain Treatment Foundation and it's helped them immensely. People dealing with TBI, traumatic brain injury, post-traumatic stress, uh, the physical and emotional trauma of the battlefield. Uh, so this is one of the hats right there from Brain Treatment Foundation. So thank you guys so much. Uh, check them out uh, and uh, see what they have going on over there. And lastly, Cabot Guns. All right. So uh, if you followed me for a while, you know that I am a fan of these. And I might have a couple others in the safe. But uh, this thing right here is the Apocalypse. So this one right here, I put this in the last novel. And uh, thank you, Cabot Guns. Sincerely appreciate it. They have the Trijicon SRO on here. And that's just a beautiful pistol. Look at that. Still has a little tag on there. Authentic Cabot Guns. So check them out, cabotguns.com. All right. I think that is it for today. Take care out there. Thank you for tuning in to the Danger Close podcast, an Ironclad original presented by Navy Federal Credit Union. To find out more about what Eric Frohart has going on, you can follow him on the social channels at Eric Frohart, and that is E-R-I-C-F-R-O-H-A-R-D-T. Also be sure to go to drinkdefy.com, the performance beverage company, and check out what they have going on over there. Be sure and also check out the title drop video for my upcoming novel, Only the Dead. That is on my YouTube channel and on my social channels. And if you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to leave a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on the social channels at Jack Carr USA officialjackcar.com. That is the website. You can sign up for the newsletter there. You can also click on shop for the merch. And until the next time, take care out there. Be safe, stay strong, keep fighting.
My collaboration with KC Cattle Company is out now. Kansas City Cattle Company, veteran-owned and operated. There are two exclusive Jack Carr bundles. One is for the whole family, and that includes their award-winning Wagyu uncured beef hot dogs. And a second bundle option, which is my favorite, includes something special. A massive Wagyu tomahawk steak and a cross tomahawks branding iron. So you'll be able to add the cross tomahawks logo to all of your steaks. It's awesome. And you can go to officialjackcar.com, click on shop to check that out. But hurry, because they are going fast.